Good evening and welcome to the Champaign City Council meeting for October 27th, 2020. And I'll call this meeting to order. I ask you to join me for a moment of silence followed by the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Will the clerk please call the roll? Councilmember Foreman. Present. Gladney. Present. Kyles. Here. Bianfetti. Here. Doc. Here. Beck. Here. Bricks. Here. Bruno. Here. Mayor Finan. Here. I don't believe we have any minutes. Do we have any correspondence? No. Um, we have no public hearings. Please call the first two bills. And I guess Councilmember Stock, do you want to move to consolidate? I would love to do that. Uh, Mayor, I move that we can. Oh, he's frozen on my screen. Do we have a second? Oh, second. Sorry, my connection's <laughs> bad tonight. That's all right. Um, the purpose of, oh, do we, we need a, a roll call on consolidation, please. Um, and to be clear, four. even though Greg Stock froze up there for a minute, he's made a motion to consolidate the first two bills. Correct, and it was seconded, so we need um, the clerk please call the roll on consolidation. Councilmember Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Kyles? Yes. Ian Fetty? Yes. Doc? Yes. 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 Bricks? Yes. Bruno? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes. And I, um, Councilmember Stock, was that a yes? Yes, it was. Sorry, I'm, no. the connection is goofy. No problem. Um, so the bills are consolidated. Please call the bills. Council bill number 2020-124, a resolution approving a local cures economic support payments grant agreement between the city of Champaign and the Illinois Department of Commerce and Economy Opportunity. Council bill number 2020-125, an ordinance amending the annual budget for the general fund. Okay. The purpose of these council bills is to approve a grant funding agreement with the Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity for the CURES grant program and amend the FY21 budget to reflect the grant amount to create the City of Champaign Economic Support Grant Program. Are there any technical questions? Is there anyone in the audience who wishes to address this issue? Madam Mayor, I see no hands raised. Are there any council comments? Please call the roll. Councilmember Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Um, yes. Kyles? Yes. Pianfetti? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Bruno? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes, the council bills pass nine to zero. Um, we are, I don't believe we have anything 
else. We don't have vouchers, is that correct? So we'll just go to council. Um, do we have any audience participation? And this is general participation. There will be an opportunity for an audience participation with respect to each of the study session items as well. Councilmember Brenner. Yeah, Madam Mayor, I'll call on, there are a couple of uh, participants with their hands raised. I'll call on Brian Dunn first. Okay, and I would note that um, please state your name and city of residence, and please limit your comments to five minutes or less. Um, depending on how you're watching, you'll see that we do have a countdown clock available for you. Hey, my name is Brian Dunn. I'm from Champaign. This does have a little bit to do with uh, the Black Lives Matter mural, but I'll just go ahead and say it now. I'm going to touch on COVID a little bit as well. I see that on the agenda for later tonight, there is a study session for Black Lives Matter mural request. I love any public display affirming the value of Black lives in our community. There's a rad mural at the Spalding Skate Park that I get to admire almost every day. And I believe it adds value in the form of solidarity and community building for the local skate scene. What I love even more th than that are policies and actions that show that we as a community believe Black Lives Matter. Last week, six people at the Champaign County Jail tested positive for COVID. It's obvious from reports that social distancing is not always taking place. When we recognize that because of systemic racism, black individuals are more likely to have comorbidities and black individuals are arrested in our community at a disproportionate rate, if we truly believe Black Lives Matter, we would in be ensuring the safety of all citizens, especially when our tax dollars are being used to hold people against their will. When Paul Clifton was arrested by Champaign police and died in the county jail, he was living with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, asthma, and high blood pressure. If someone like Paul Clifton was exposed to COVID-19, the results could be deadly in outcome in a state that rescinded its death penalty. I hope as we consider making proclamations affirming the value of black life, we are thinking critically about what it means to value black life and how our policies have been crafted with complete disregard for black life. Thank you. Madam Mayor, I'll call on uh, or open the microphone for Bob Doty. Okay, and we will reset the timer. Please state your name and city of residence. My name is Bob Doty. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak. I'm a resident of Champaign, and I saw that there is a consideration for Black Lives Matter mural uh, painted on the city street, and I just disagree with uh, that as an action that the city council needs to participate in or fund. I don't think it's an appropriate uh, step to take. Thank you. Thank you. Madam Mayor, I'm going to turn on the microphone for Mike Hetherington. Hello. Thank you for uh, calling on me. My name is Mike Hetherington. I'm a resident of Champaign, Illinois. I see on the docket tonight, you guys are going to be considering a mural in a public place for Black Lives Matter. I'd like to start out my comment by saying that I absolutely believe that black lives matter. All right. I believe that all lives matter. Every single human on this planet, born or unborn, they all matter. 
All right. And I think that we do the best as citizens by our interactions with each other daily, not by virtue signaling a hollow uh, mural on the street that we're going to drive over. I think this is a terrible waste of taxpayer money. If we would like to give a Black Lives Matter organization a permit and a space to do a mural, absolutely. I'm 100 percent for free speech and expression. We should not be virtue signaling and spending taxpayer dollars when we don't have all of our other ducks in a row in this city or in this county or in state or in this country at this extremely polarizing time in our country. So thank you for hearing me. And I hope you guys make a really wise choice tonight. Are you good? Thank you. Madam Mayor, I'm gonna turn on the microphone for Drake. Ready for Can everyone hear me? Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I had to do this for the abandoned city council. I'm gonna have to do it for you all too. I'm trying to put my headphones in. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay, the time can start. I don't need the whole five. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Hi, my name is Drake Mat Hi, my name is Drake Matia, and I am a student at the University of Illinois, uh, College of AHS. Um, black people have been asking for way more than just street than having streets painted. And America has never followed up on that. So for those who are upset or think that this is a waste of taxpayer dollars and that the city needs to do other things, then my question to you is, why hasn't the city or the, the society done for, for Black folks, period, from the jump in the first place, right? Black people, we've been asking for so much. We have been asking for so much, and all we ask is to uh, during these times to acknowledge that Black Lives Matter. And now the, all the All Lives Matters people are talking about some, no, they need to do this. There are other things I need to worry about. We've been trying to get those things fought for too, and you guys still didn't want that. So I, there's nothing to help you all to deal with your whiteness and the contradictions of it. I'm sorry, but no, I don't have time for any of that. Uh, uh, we need to have our other ducks in a row. You got whiteness, privilege, you all have it. And here's the funny thing. We've been fighting for you out here too. So why can't we have something that says all black lives matters? We've been fighting for the homeless. Homeless shows no color. Homeless shows no race, uh, uh, no religion. Homeless is uh, uh, everybody. Anybody can be homeless. Women, uh, women and survivors are definitely up there uh, in terms of being homeless now during this time. So I don't want to hear about the whole all lives matter, this, that, and the other, and that BS when all lives never matter when all the money that you're saying the city needs to be putting toward other things like education and whatnot, you all didn't want that. You all wanted more police. You all wanted more prisons. You didn't, you have not all, you, ooh, you all have not fought for all lives ever in y'all life. All we ask for is a street to be painted on and not to mention that this street was paved at, at in order for these streets to even be here, for Champagne to even be here, you all had to remove, whiteness had to remove the indigenous people here for this. So this ain't even your land to even speak. This shouldn't even be your land that you can speak and decide what happens. We have been asking for so much more 
than just simply painting on the street. And you're upset, and you're upset about that. Yeah, that that uh, we do need to get a lot of other things to get uh, done too. But we've been doing it. We've been exposing the contradictions. You all have been putting up money for billboards. You could have put that money up for any for education and other institutions to actually better the community. But you want to do it for some half-ass stuff, right? So no, don't give me any of that all lives matter when you haven't fought for it yourself. You haven't even donated to the pantry. You have not fed anyone out here. You have not clothed anyone. Have you not have, and you have not fought to get utilities reinstated, nor have you fought to stop the utilities from being shut off, which affects white folks too, which affects white folks too. I stand with that. I, we deserve more than just the street. Let's best believe that we deserve more than just the street. Black people deserve all of American reparations. This ain't even all of that. So don't. So let's not even go there because you haven't even fought for that. All right. Uh, I I believe that the student that this council uh, will vote in its uh, 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 in the right way, which is to give black people something, something more than what society has given us majority of the time. And 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 guess what? And since I got time, I'm, I'm going to speak some history. The GI Bill, which benefited white men after World War II, black people fought for that, for the civil rights movement. When all, and now all that, uh, 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 these white LGBTQ people, you are able to benef- reap the benefits of black people. All of these other people of color are able to benefit off the, blacks of, uh, off the backs of black people. Everybody gets to benefit off the struggle of black people. And all we ask for the street, and you want to come up with this All Lives Matters thing. That doesn't make any sense when it says all black lives matter. I'm so confused. Are they not a part of it? Blue lives don't matter because blue lives don't exist. But you all want to put up money for that. You want to put up money for a billboard. Well, ugly billboard, but you want to put money up that's actually going to benefit and make some people feel good about themselves. And and oh, y'all, y'all are sick to me. Whiteness is a sickness. Whiteness is a sickness. And I hope you all find the contra- and realize the contradiction sooner than later because y'all getting pimp too. You're getting pimped too because you just said it yourself that money needs to be going towards some other stuff. No, it needs to be going to a black and brown bodies first before it ever goes to any of y'all ever again because our struggle is going to end up benefiting Thank you. Thank you. And you. Your, your Thank time you. is up. Thank you. I'm going to turn on the microphone for Tiffany. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Hi, my name is Tiffany Armas. I'm from Champaign. And um, I believe that the Black Lives Matter mural is a first step, hopefully the start of a journey. I think it's important for Champaign to take a stand and make a public declaration that they support, that we support Black Lives and that we wanna do better and we wanna work to end systemic racism. To me, this is a public declaration of Champaign's commitment to people of color And if the city agrees that this is a starting point and not the end result, then I definitely support their efforts. And I think they should move forward with this decision. Um, And then, you know, I'd like to know what's next uh, on this journey. Um, And I also believe that this can be funded if necessary through donations or a fundraiser. I believe that there's enough momentum and commitment in this community um, that we can make this happen without having to take away from from anything else. I think that's possible. Um, Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I'm going to turn on the microphone for Richard Lewis. 
Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Hello, members of the council. My name is Richard Lewis, and I currently reside in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm sure you're wondering why someone from out of state would be calling to speak this evening, so I'll give you a brief history of myself. I'm a native of Champaign for 38 years. My family lives here. My daughters live here. Champaign is still my home. I work very hard nine months out of the year in construction and come home to Champaign to spend the summer with my daughters. <clears throat> I want to start out by saying I am not here to denounce Black Lives Matter. Black lives very much matter, but I'm speaking to remind you of the fact that many of the activists pushing for the street mural project have done nothing but spread hatred throughout our community, harass and intimidate city leaders, city workers, the mayors of Champaign and Urbana, the Champaign County State's Attorney, you the council members and more. The very same organizer who called in a previous council meeting to curse and yell at you while demanding you give him and his organization respect. The very same organizer who harassed and accused Mayor Finan of being racist and attending Klan meetings. Some of the same activists responsible for the vandalism to the U of I in August, which led to an arrest of a demonstrator. <clears throat> the very same organizer who on August 28th publicly threatened the Champaign Police Department by telling him they could, quote, count your effing days. Some of the same activists responsible for debasing the Champaign Police Department and calling Chief Anthony Cobb, a city leader of color, a coon, a derogative racial slur to black people. Does that sound like the actions of activists who want to make sure that we visually see that black lives matter and who will not tolerate racism? So while their graffiti of chalk and paint may not be permanent, their hateful message is and has left a stain in our community. Are you as our city leaders prepared to reward them for this? I urge you to amend this proposal. I feel it's not within the city's best interest to entertain a matter that will only solidify division within our community. If this is government speech, then it should speak for all citizens, not one particular group or side. As city leaders, you represent the community as a whole and hold your positions because of the community abroad. I noticed in the memo from the city manager, you cited the Black Lives Matter organization as a foundation for your proposed government speech. Are you also aware that the co-founder of BLM describes amusement and founders as trained Marxists? Is this the message you want to portray? The city of Champaign is trying to balance a budget and has asked each department to cut 15%. So why are we considering a streetscape project that would cost three to 5,000 and another thousand annually to maintain? What about the voluntary separation incentive program? How does the city plan to fund the manpower for upkeep within the public works department on a reduced budget? Have you surveyed all constituents to ask if they support their tax dollars being spent on this? And how about filling those vacant patrol positions for minimal staffing? Should paint on the street take more priority? There was an incident early Monday morning where young teens were involved in a shooting while dealing drugs. You want to spend taxpayer dollars on something? Create an outreach program to show these young black men that the community cares about them so they'll stop killing each other. This will not only benefit black lives, but the community as well. It's a project that everyone can come together and work on. As I said, I live in Birmingham. We have a BLM mural. It was supposed to be well received as this is the birthplace of the civil rights movement. Instead of it symbolizing that people will not tolerate racism in the community, it has only made it worse. What we experience now, and that's coming from both sides, is far worse than what it was before. We took a huge step backwards in the fight for equality. A Black Lives Matter street mural is going to be nothing more than a bottomless pit for the city of Champaign to throw money away in. I've watched numerous fights break out at the site <clears throat> of our BLM mural. We have activists that need to guard the mural 24 seven and run off those they suspect as racist. Clashing is inevitable. The vandalism will come. The city of Champaign has had to, or the city of Birmingham has had to spend thousands of dollars in repair costs because they invested in the project so much. And the vandalism here persists monthly. The city of Birmingham had to increase the budget 
for the police to 104 million, an 11.8 increase. Extra patrols and officers needed to combat the fighting and vandalism. The city of Birmingham had to create additional positions within the city budget that never needed to exist before. More taxpayer money being wasted. Overall crime has, incre has increased. We have accomplished nothing to achieve racial equality. Is this the type of headache you want? I want to see racial division and just as much as anyone else, but this isn't how we achieve it. As our city leaders, you represent the community as a whole. This is not the answer to racism. We need to be more proactive than paint on a street. Let's choose something constructive that everyone can get behind so we can finally reunite as one and work together for a greater good. Racism is not the answer. Whiteness is a problem. That's racism. Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna call on Axelrod. Hi, good evening. Can you all hear me? Yes. Okay, so I had a couple of points that I thought were relevant to bring up that are outside of the scope of the things that I normally advocate on and are relevant to this discussion at hand. Uh, the first one is that um, the threat of racism that was just made by, or sorry, the threat of vandalism that was just made by the previous speaker um, really just embodies the actual cost of racism and bringing it to the front of the community rather than it being something that is hidden. We have in Champaign, the intersection of white and right street. And that's been gone, that's been unmentioned for a very long time. And I think that that should maybe change. And I hope that the previous speaker agrees with that. And if the previous speaker is worried about this idea of reverse racism and conflict being embodied in a street mural saying Black Lives Matter or all Black Lives Matter, then I would invite that person to express their beliefs consistently. There are hundreds of Confederate statutes, statues, including in Alabama. Thank you so much for calling and bringing that state to relevance. So it's very remarkable that there's this selective apprehension at the idea that a mural saying that an oppressed group of people should be affirmed and that igniting conflict when ignoring the fact that Christopher Columbus statues ignite conflict, that, that Confederate statues in cause conflict. Why is it only in that direction? And I think that is a disclosure of their bias. And I would invite them to correct for that, to demonstrate good faith engagement with the community that they purport to care so much about, but seem to do so selectively. Thank you so much. Have a good evening. Thank you. I'm gonna call on Eddie Pratt. Am I coming through clear? Go ahead. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna cut to the chase and be real quick. But um please state your name and your city of residence. My name's Eddie Pratt Jr. I am a resident of Champaign, Urbana, have been since 2014. Uh transplant resident of Alabama, Tuscaloosa, originally from Detroit. Um Mm, so a BLM mural, like 
we've had a whole summer of symbolism. We've had, we've had Chief Cobb taking a knee. We've had mayors marching alongside people in the streets and then turned around and didn't prosecute a man for trying to run over a bunch of peaceful protesters exercising their First Amendment right. And then at the same time, in the same span of time, you go to arrest a small black woman, kick her in the stomach, drag her through the entire legal system, despite the fact that you can't prove that she was actually a part of that bit of rioting. Honestly, I'm through with the symbolism. I want real change. And so I don't see much need for a mural. That's about the only thing that me and that guy, Rich Lewis, really agree on. Here's another thing within his rhetoric, something that he forgot to mention. He, along with his uh, group that he's in, you're probably familiar, some of you might be in it, that Back to Blue group who were watching me, stalking me, police officers in champagne police cars coming through my job simply to try to intimidate me only because I speak about human rights and how that pertains to people of color in this space, wanting this world and this community to be better. All I do is to try to make this community better. He talks about racism. He talks about what he think racism is. He talks about who really has hate in their heart. But let me ask you people and him this. If these people out here, these activists were so filled of hate, then why haven't they stalked anybody? Why haven't they harassed anybody? Why haven't they threatened anybody? Yet we continuously see shows of force from those who position themselves to be oppositional. Back to this mural, I could really care less about it. The real change has got to be in the way that things are done in the system. We can paint as many letters in the street as there are letters in the alphabet, but it doesn't change the fact that there's injustice in our system. So I would rather those dollars go to rectifying some of those ill-gotten results. Pardon Aaliyah Lewis. Drop those charges. Prosecute that man in that red pickup truck that you all have, all have the video of and you have his license plate number. You know who he is, you know where he lives. Do that. Keep the police out of the schools. How about, I don't know, Outlaw jaywalking as a crime, seeing that in Champaign, it 
at least the last numbers I saw, 88% of the, the people arrested for jaywalking were black. Who wants to talk about being proactive? Let's be proactive. Let's be preventive. I grow tired of the, the circle jerk of the symbolism and painting of streets. I want real answers. I want real solutions. We should be worrying about how we're going to make a real future that's post-racial. Thank you. Thank you. Madam Mayor, there are nobody else with their hands raised who have not already spoken once this on this issue. Um, well, now, think, now the late adopters are coming in. So you that's, wanna... I want to, um, and people are welcome to speak, but I do want to make clear that the Black Lives Matter study session will also allow for um, people to speak on that topic. This is general council comment so that we can end the council meeting and get into our study session. Um, and people can choose to speak now if they wish to, um, or they can wait. There are four people with hands raised, two of which have already spoken. I'll turn the microphone on for Justin Hendricks. Hello, everyone. Can you hear me? Hello, my name is Justin Michael Hendricks, Parkland College student, creative hidden homeboy, the people's mayor, as they call me, Champaign-Urbana residents. I'll begin with all Black Lives Matter, and it must be seen, heard, and known. That includes the lack for health care for Black women, Black trans women who don't live past 36, Black children that are suffering in a pandemic, Black men who aren't given the appropriate resources to sustain a livelihood. It's shocking that the city council has not only had a short week last week, but then also move ahead with council comments from the public. I understand the Urbana and Champaign Council may be good girlfriends, but at least let's be honest with answers and response and rapport. We've been out here since May at the mall. We've been out here since June at the park. We've been out here since July at the former Rogue Barbershop and still out here since. We've been out here without the council and black organizations, so let that be known with fact. We know this doesn't erase racism. We know it won't help Kiwan Carrington, Toya Frazier, Veronica Horstead come back. We know this for a fact. You're upset about our streets. I'm sure the police will love a smart streetscape that can be funded by you all like you all did the billboards. Rich Lewis, check your inbox, girl. Realize I gave you the facts that you're refusing to deny and I gave them to Matthew as well, my love. Also, Rich, you failed to mention your videos and statements that you made in your Back to Blue group on Facebook. I'll be sure to forward those to uh, City Council tonight for transparency. You sound quite bothered at the truth. I know it's provoking to be black and confident. I understand that even in your voice, it holds no truth when you speak. I gave an invite to speak and meet and still no one stepped forward. So keep that energy in Alabama, sis, where it stays. To repeat, I said what I said, I've been doing the work. And where have you been and to address it all months ago? Let that hurt go and let's be clear. Clear your throat and stay in Alabama once again. And when did we say that we're Black Lives Matter as the organization? We've never stated that. Please watch and refrain from Fox News chatter as it's not a good look. JB was here today to discuss business, not the black and brown communities of Bradley McKinley and Garden Hills that they set foot in when having a discussion. Our public servants were there today to not to defend us, but window shop at a public event space. 
Also, let's realize the pantry is very needed, like the heat in our cities and the in the city benches that were removed where the underprivileged ones laid and stored their belongings in themselves. Since our city hasn't done that with programming and services still in place. So Rich, when you speak on my name, at least Google, YouTube, and Facebook me, my receipts and resume, they stand when I speak beyond a Facebook group and that goes for everybody that speaks and comments on what this decision is. We know this doesn't change history or racism. However, what we've been doing and beyond social media is true. So if you speak and choose a disagreement, at least know who's behind what is going on. At least they know who's behind it. Because last time I checked, I don't see none of you in these rooms. I don't see none of you making these moves in the meetings and I don't see none of you getting the work done. So let that be known. This has been before I was in Ferguson, when I lived in St. Louis, before I came back to Champaign. Let it be known I've been doing the work. Check my resume. I'm real what I do. And my advocacy is beyond this. And that goes for everyone, including the black community who aren't fulfilling the needs truthfully and honestly, because nepotism does exist in the black community in these spaces. Once again, I've been doing this for years from the street to the Capitol. Check my resume. You need to pay attention and donate and do more. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Matt Stuckey. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Um, my name is Matt Stuckey. I'm Muhammad, Illinois. Um, in case you guys haven't figured it out, I am the founder and one of the organizers of Back to Blue Champaign County. I uh, seem to be pretty popular on here um, for some reasons I don't know. Um, I want to first step up and tell the council members that I appreciate uh, Mayor Finan, Mr. Bruno, um, Alicia Beck, and Clarissa Foreman um, for the talks today, and especially to Clarissa for the a couple of talks that I've had with her. The one that we had was over an hour. Um, I think we both understand each other and what needs to be done for this community. And I want to thank her very much of putting aside the differences that we may have um, to better the community and come together. Um, I've been pretty quiet with these things and I've listened to the same old rhetoric every week about back to blue this and back to blue that and our billboards and whatnot. Um, my question is when this is going to end. Uh, this has got to stop with this hateful rhetoric with us supporting police and Black Lives Matter. Um, I'm speaking to the people that call in every week about us, and Mrs. Foreman can vouch for this. We believe Black Lives Matter. We see what's happening in this community with black and brown people. And yeah, we are back to blue. And we do support our police and we understand that there's some bad ones out there, just the same as there's bad people in society, period. That doesn't go for everybody. I didn't talk to Clarissa Foreman and judge her because of mistakes that black or brown people have made. And she didn't judge me for the mistakes that white people have made. We need to come together as a community and fix these things. Blaming everybody for everything that's going on isn't going to make us move forward. The problem here is What's going to happen when this mural goes up? If you look on social media right now, there's people out there that are mad about this. They see an organization, and yes, Justin, people do watch Fox News, but that doesn't make them bootlickers. That doesn't make them Smurf lovers. That doesn't make them anything else that we've been called. I've received several messages from people in several groups about threats to me and why I haven't talked. The reason why I haven't talked is because of those threats. You guys want to make a difference? 
we already told you that we'll we'll help you out with your food pantry and we're more than welcome to we'll set aside all the differences and we'll talk to you and make a difference in this community but it needs to start with you and with me and not fighting anymore make a difference step up stop the hate stop the hateful rhetoric and come together and put your weapons down and talk to us i appreciate you guys for your time tonight and i appreciate everything that the council is doing thank you Thank you. Turn the microphone on for Rita Connor, really. Good evening, Council. My name's Rita Connerly. I am a resident of Champaign. <clears throat> it is clear the white fragility is prevalent here tonight. We all know it's not enough to say that you are not racist, but rather declare to be anti-racist. Let's break the contrary belief that Champaign does not care about its citizens, primarily those that are less fortunately black and brown people. Each evening we come and we speak about racial and social issues that we are battling. And I am thankful to see on the agenda that the discussion will be had about a streetscape. I agree with Eddie, however, a street mural where our city is declaring through art that black lives matter is a large message. It should also be stated that the funds for that should come from the police budget. While I'll save some of my comments as it relates to what my thoughts are about the streetscape for later, I'd like to kind of turn and talk about previous discussions had here on the city council. It's clear that fragility lies not only amongst our white staff, but the black staff as well. In an email received October 9th from John Ruffin, he stated, based on your comments to the city council, we do not intend to reschedule the meeting that was planned for October 7th. At our prior meeting, we discussed potential partners as you consider a new location for your food pantry. We encourage you contact them directly. What is unfortunate here is that black staff now is choosing not to work to continue to build resources for our less vulnerable population of people. I am very disappointed that our city staff is continuously, continuously acting in an unethical manner that is not truly reflective of how we should serve some of our less vulnerable black and brown uh, population of people. Additionally, I stand before the council today as a victim survivor of domestic violence. Not only am I currently being victimized by my abuser, I'm also being victimized by the police. The police, when I needed them, instead of protecting and serving me, retaliated. They clearly noted to, to me, and I have the FOIA information, they know what my stance is with them. As a citizen, you must understand that that is not reassuring in my time of needing protection from my perpetrator that they would properly serve and protect me. I cannot walk away this evening from the council without advising that I applaud Lieutenant Olmstead for his attempts of conflict resolution and finding a solution for my concerns with how I was served. He reached out Thursday to advise me of a, con or a mediation session that we had discussed. However, the, uh, and, and I am up for that discussion. However, there has not been a response back from the two officers involved. That is Officer Caldall and Officer Christensen. 
I am still waiting so that we can have a mediation session as it relates to their unethical conduct during a time of need while I was in crisis, battling and dealing with domestic violence. Again, black women are not protected enough as we've already heard earlier about the case of Aaliyah Lewis being beat up by the police. I'd like to speak about the food insecurities. I'm disappointed that the city, that city management and staff has turned away and refused from helping. We know that food insecurity is a public health crisis. We as a community have stepped up to attempt to combat that. In FOIA requested information that I received regarding removal of food pantries, I noticed that Alicia Beck wanted to remove all the pantries and that other staff members wanted to, wanted to make the decisions on where they thought it would be best to place a food pantry. Why are we fighting and tug of warring about where food is needed when we clearly know where the people are who need it? All we're asking for the city to do is to partner, to help, to provide additional support and resources so that we can continue to give to those who are in need. There is no personal gain here for anyone. This is all for the betterment of our, of our community. The city staff, I would really hope that you would consider a, a monthly stipend that supports that pantry that you see every day. And I'm happy that the discussions about the mural will be closely located to that pantry. Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna turn the microphone on for G. Hello. Hello. Hello, we can hear you. Oh, I just tuned in. I don't have anything to say. Okay, your hand okay. is raised. Oh, I'm sorry. Madam Mayor, there's nobody else who has not already spoken on this topic tonight. Okay, council comments? Council Member Foreman. Okay, so before we get to the study session request, can I please put some timeline into perspective for everybody? Um, when the study session request was written for the street mural, it felt <clears throat> it was something that could empower people, not people, empower black people in Champaign to know that we care and that we, you know, that their, their voices matter. Over the last few months, as things have happened, it seems that sometimes not just not just this thing, but in general, anything that we do is reactionary and is not impactful in the way that, that any of us want it to be. And so, you know, when I wrote the study session request, I thought it was going to be impactful. I want something that's going to be impactful. I don't want to do anything that's going to divide people or cause this big conflict. I want something that's going to make people feel empowered. And in the last few months, so many other things have come up that are going to be empowering and that can be long-term and that can really impact lives that I feel that um, you know, the street mural is the conversation, it has become mute and um, it, it just happened that way. The, the, you don't understand how long the time frame has been since this has happened, how long it's been going on, but um, it, it feels reactionary and I don't want anyone to feel that it was written so that we can all say, oh, we did something or we feel better because that's, that's not it. And um, I just, the emails, I've gotten all your emails, we, I've gotten phone calls, I've listened to people. It has been one of the tough couple of days I've had being a black person, 
because I've had so many people say to me, essentially, they think that this mural was something to like, you know, they see it as bad when I thought it was something empowering, you know, and even I've heard from people. So, you know, I just wanted everybody to know that, you know, the intent for writing it and what I thought it would bring about and how it would bring empowerment, there are other ways to empower people. So whatever comes out of this, I don't want people to think that, can, can we all just step back for a minute and can we appreciate the fact that we all live in a community that the mayor, the city council, the city staff were okay with talking about this? I know that that doesn't seem like a lot to people, but that's big. That's, that's a really, really big thing. And so please don't take anything that comes out of this as, as like, like you have people on this call who are going to talk about something and have discussions about things that never would be talking about in public. And so I think it's important that we have the conversation, but please don't, don't take, you know, if the street mural doesn't go, that, that means that Champagne doesn't care about black lives because we are trying very hard to put forward policy that matches all those things. And so, you know, whether the mural goes forward or not, there's things in place that the mayor, the city council, the city staff are working on that is going to be impactful. So regardless of whatever comes out tonight, I just am thankful that everybody signed on for the study session and that you gave us a space to talk. So thank you for giving us a space to talk. Me, everybody, anybody, just thank you guys for doing that because that means a lot. I, I know this is stressful for everybody, but I wanted you guys to hear that it does mean a lot to have the conversation. Thank you. Any other council comments, general comments? Councilmember Kyle. Councilmember Beck, I'll get you next. Thank you. Uh, I'm not gonna comment as much on the mural, but I did appreciate, because I have some comments for later, but I did appreciate the comments made by uh, Councilmember Foreman, because I do remember the original intent. And the original intent was truly empowerment. Um, as it as it moved forward and as we've um, gone through the discussion and the conversation it somewhat changed and shifted um and that's not for the good um i think that there are some things i'd like to discuss that i think such as the C cdap program and also the lift program that i would not only love to see to be prioritized um, and would prioritize over the mural um, I think it's important that um, we would have that we would have that discussion before we said yes or no to the mural. It's important because as African Americans, typically we we even we we would walk away with nothing. And as a city, when you talk about all lives, that means that an opportunity for even inspiration, uh, whether individuals agree with it or not would be lost. I believe that um, um, staff, whether black or white, but particularly in this situation, in this case, um, we have an amazing black staff. We have amazing activists, whether we agree or not. That's just the way it is. We're not going to agree on everything. That's just, I mean, no one does. But particularly with the black staff, um, and I hate to, to single out, any in any individual members of our staff because they do work diligently and they do work hard and i do believe that um we would all be at the same table again i said this a few weeks ago we're not i, I mean i'm not at war with you 
Um, and I don't believe that we're in a war as it pertains to with each other. If we are, that's a bad war to be in because there's some great minds in this conversation. However, when things are said, this is what I will say. People do need an opportunity to, to, to recover. And as even though um, staff, whether police officers, uh, but particularly the, the staff that we're talking about, uh, how hard and how difficult is it? We, they're human beings, we're human beings. And so from that perspective, how do you have a conversation the night before saying that you're nothing basically, um, and then go into a conversation the next day and, and that, that in normal relationship building and normal healing, people need a time to take back. And even I would need to take, take a second just to recover and rethink and think about what was said. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't come back to the table it doesn't mean that we're not going to have a meeting on homelessness. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have a meeting on the value of black lives. It means that, wait a second, as a human being, hold on one second. You know, before I'm a council member, before I'm a staff, I'm a human being and I have a human response. And even though it seemed like, wow, this is, this is not going to, it's never a never. It's not like it's not going to happen. It just means that, wait. I need to take a step back and heal. I've been hit hard. And so even throughout that week, you know, the, 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 I had to go through a healing process. And, you know, uh, in the streets, we say, you all in your feelings. Well, you know, if someone said something about you and said something and it was, and it was, and, and, and you knew all the work and the value that you were putting in and you just said, well, shoot. You know, you as a human being, you take a hit. And so you do have to take a, a step back. Um, I do value protecting, uh, and I'm not going to say just all women, but particularly black women. And I'm glad that we're having this, that, that conversation that reach out to the police department is being had about your experience with our police department to increase and help make our police department better. I think that's a valuable conversation, but I do know that if you say something about something, someone, um, you know, sometimes we like to pretend like it doesn't matter, but it does. And to be honest with you, it actually hurts. Now, as a man, we're, we're typically not in the business of telling people when we're hurt, but when, when, when we spend our nights, long nights, long days, whether you're a man or woman fighting for something and you're blasted in that way, yeah, you got to take a step back again. But look at the conversation tonight. And that I'm particularly saying, I'm not saying, hey, I'm not meeting with you all. I'm not giving to your food pantry. No, I never said that, would never say that. But I will say that comment, it takes people time to heal. Just as I believe that Chief Cobb needed some time to heal. That's a tough thing. And I think that, you know, yeah, they're city staff and yeah, they get paid, you know, you know, bunches of money and whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, all that all that stuff don't mean nothing. You're a human being. And so um, just like we're talking about um, how to move our people forward, um, uh, black people in particular, 
I think it's important to also discuss how we move ourselves forward and just know that you guys are not alone in, in feeding homelessness and dealing and addressing with homelessness, domestic abuse, and all the things. We just have a different style. I'm not going to, you know what? I may not agree, and I totally may not agree with everything that you all do, but I do agree with the spirit of what with the, the actual, what you're trying to do. We just may not do it the same way. And you're not, may not do it the same way. Everybody thinks like, oh man, he's Mr. Peaceful. No, not really, you know, not all the time. So we have a different strategy and different pro approach, but I'm not gonna blast your approach as I think that it would be important that you don't dismiss mine or anyone else's that has a different um, style of, of if, as long as it's meeting the objective and it's, and it's not taking away from our objective. So um, I, I actually appreciate council member Foreman's comments um, and all the other comments that are made, whether I agree or disagree with them. Um, I think that time ago, we would have never had a top conversation on a mural or anything. And I think it's significant progress to be having this conversation tonight, no matter what happens. Thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Beck. Thank you. Um, so I just wanted to go back and uh, address, uh, uh, Ms. Connerly actually alluded to um, an email that was exchanged between me and staff and it was in regards to the food pantry issue. And um, I don't think she meant to mischaracterize my comments in that, uh, but I, when you FOIA documents, oftentimes you don't get the complete picture of what the conversation actually is. It's a point in time of a, a remark. Um, in that particular email, I was actually trying to make sure that there was an equality of enforcement so that her group, then the pantry that was being presented by her group to the community wasn't going to be, wasn't being uh, punished in a way that was unequitable with others um, and that we would indeed be addressing this issue as a whole rather than um, pinpointing one group to uh, look at. So clearly there are a number of people in our community that are interested in um, doing pantries. And um, I'm a long time uh, proponent of trying to figure out ways to address food securities in our community. Um, my fellow council members can a vouch for that and many, many conversations I've had from, with them. Most recently over the last few weeks, I've spoken with council members about this issue, in particular about the food pantry on right of way and support of doing something to make food accessible to people. Um, and I'm also making sure that we have opportunity to uh, continue to grow um, resources to people who, are, uh, who have food insecurity issues. And that would encompass a variety of different ways to do that, um, possibly other kinds of, uh, of, um, of groups that might be able to come into this and, and form something larger in our community. So, um, so I hope that, uh, you know, if you do have concerns about um, the way in which things are being addressed, that, you know, rather than making a public statement about something that I may have said in an email, which actually, again, was part of a larger conversation um, that you can actually just call me and ask me about it um, and maybe get the full story. And, and again, you know, FOIAing documents is an important piece of our system, being able to find out what kinds of communications occur uh, in a governmental uh, sense. But 
I think that it's also really important to reach out and speak with people one-on-one um, -on -one because conversations do happen. And I'm, I welcome those conversations. And I really hope that um, you know, we can have more of that interaction with one another um, in a more intimate setting rather than here in our Zoom calls, uh, our, our, our weekly meetings, because I think that that's where real uh, change and real um, ideas and good exchanges can happen. Um, this is a stilted conversation uh, and is not uh, an exchange that I personally like to have. Um, that's, that's also a big piece of um, who I am as a representative of my district. And certainly I think that people that live in my district would say that I, um, I actively listen and I seek out information. And I hope that um, others that live outside of my district would also take advantage of that um, and, and take the opportunity to uh, you know, look me up and, and have those conversations. So I just wanted to make sure that um, Ms. Connerly, you had that, the whole story and what I've actually been working on. And, um, and I think that you're actually gonna like it because it's, it's something that we all, I think, can agree upon that we really need you to provide uh, additional access to food in our community. Um, and there's a real need there that has to be filled. And I'm really looking forward to uh, working on that and m doing more with our council on that in the near future. Thank you. Any other council members? I, I just want to follow up on something that council member Kyle's raised. Um, and I, I have said this, I think from the beginning as we've talked about budget cuts and, and where we're going, but finding funding to continue the child and family program with the school district in my opinion, is one of the most important things that we can do. And I realize that we may not be able to find the full amount that we had originally slated, but we have to get this program started. We have to get it off the ground. We continue to have gun violence issues. We continue to, you know, um, try to find ways to engage with our low income um, African-American community and the opportunity to work with the district with kids and their families in a way and a holistic approach is something we can't give up on and maybe in fact we need more than ever with the pandemic. I don't know if that really ties into the mural request. I suppose it depends on where we end up and how much money we're talking about depending on the option that council discusses, but I don't want to let his comment go without him knowing that he has my full support and I, I'd like to start giving direction to staff as we talk about budget that that remains a priority in our community. Um, city manager. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, the only thing I have before we introduce this evening's study session is a reminder that the Champaign City Council does not meet on election days. So on November 3rd, there will be no regular meeting of the Champaign City Council. And our next meeting will be on November 10th and we will have a special regular meeting followed by the study session that evening. And thank you, do you wanna um throw it to whoever is going to be leading the Black Lives Matter mural request study session? 
Sure, I'm happy to do that, Your Honor, as staff joins us on the call. Um, this evening, the first study session item, as we have already begun discussing, is a study session request by the members of the City Council to discuss the installation of a Black Lives Matter mural on the public right-of-way on Chester Street, right outside of the City Building. Um, there are two components to this discussion that we will go through. The first component of the study session request was the component of actually making this government speech. So we will spend some time around the questions of government speech versus First Amendment speech um, so that we can clarify that piece of it and provide good information. The second will be walking through the implementation options in the event that council would like to pursue a mural. So the first person to be presenting will be, and I Let's see, I don't see anybody on camera yet. So I'm waiting for my staff. There we go. Jennifer Bannon, Assistant City Attorney is going up. Council Member Bruno, you're raising your hand. I am. Did we cast a vote, a roll call vote on those two council bills that were consolidated and then we went to the audience for comment? Yes, we did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Councilmember Bruno, the audience comment was the general comments after the bills. It wasn't comments on those bills. Okay. And I, I don't believe we have any vouchers or payroll. So I just went straight to study session. Correct, because tonight we had a special regular meeting because of the timelines on the grant. So, um, so if it's okay, I'm going to turn it over to Assistant City Attorney Jennifer Bannon to start off our staff presentation. Thank you, Dorothy. So Tony Vandevener will be sharing his screen in just a moment for our presentation. He's graciously agreed to be the PowerPoint person for us. Okay. So as the city manager mentioned, this study session has been scheduled to discuss whether to declare Black Lives Matter as city government speech and to discuss whether to create or to allow the creation of a permanent sign with the words Black Lives Matter in paint on the public right-of-way on Chester Street adjacent to the Champaign City Building, um, which would include but not limited to um, being on the sidewalk. And the study session request also included a proposal that the city discuss contracting with a local Black artist or artist to install the sign as part of the city's Champaign Diversity Advancement Program or CDAP program. So the study session will explore some various options for the murals creation. So in order to fully consider whether and how to paint a Black Lives Matter mural on the public right of way, it's important to understand some basic constitutional law principles. So to be clear, these principles are not just city policies or preferences. These are established legal principles that govern the city in its speech and also its regulation of private speech. So as most people know, the First Amendment to the Constitution protects the rights of speech, religion, assembly, the press, and the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And important to note for purposes of this presentation is that art has commonly been treated as speech for purposes of First Amendment case law because it often conveys a message. So the freedom of speech is not absolute. Um, first, there are some categories of speech that are not protected by the First Amendment. So those include defamation, fraud, incitement to violence, threats, for example. You might have heard the phrase, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Um, and then secondly, the government is permitted to enact some restrictions on speech that are based on the forum or the location in which the speech occurs. So courts have recognized the following types of forums in case law, traditional public forums, designated or limited public forums, and non-public forums. So I'll go through each of these a little. 
The first is traditional public forums. So traditional public forums are areas that have historically been open to free expression for activities, such as marches, speeches, petitions, and leafleting. Examples of traditional forums are public streets, sidewalks, and parks. The government's ability to limit speech in a traditional public forum is very limited. However, the government can enact what are called time, manner, and place restrictions on speech in those areas. So those are restrictions that take into account factors like safety, traffic control, ingress and egress of buildings. However, any restrictions that the government enacts have to be, number one, content neutral, which means the government cannot discriminate or pick and choose based on viewpoint or topic. Number two, narrowly tailored to serve a legitimate governmental interest. And number three, they must leave open other methods of communicating the information. So some examples of permissible time, manner, and place regulations are restrictions on noise level, a limit on the number of people that can safely occupy an area, and prohibitions on blocking traffic. Now I wanted to highlight this study session specifically concerns painting on public streets and sidewalks. Public streets and sidewalks are open forums, so individuals have a constitutional right to gather, protest, leaflet, and petition in these areas. However, the government can still prohibit painting or otherwise altering public infrastructure. These rules are constitutional as long as there is an alternative means of communication. So for example, a city can have an ordinance that says no painting on city streets because people are still free to gather and verbally protest in those areas. The government is not prohibiting the speech there, only the alteration of public property. The second kind of forum is a designated public forum. This is also sometimes called a limited public forum. Examples of this type of forum include meeting rooms at the library, municipal theaters, university meeting spaces, and public comment at city council meetings. So once a space is created as a designated forum, the government can limit the use of these forums for use by certain types of groups. So for example, the university can hold spaces open for students only or for discussion of certain topics. However, any content-based restrictions on speech must be narrowly drawn to address a compelling governmental interest, which is still a pretty high standard to meet. Further, the government cannot engage in viewpoint discrimination once it has opened the forum. So for example, city council can limit public comment to five minutes or less at a council meeting, but it cannot tell speakers that they can only speak in favor of a particular initiative. The last type of forum is a non-public forum. So a non-public forum is public property that has not traditionally been designated as a forum intended for public speech. Examples of non-public forums are public schools, polling places, courthouses, and the insides of government buildings. The government can reserve a non-public forum for its intended purpose and regulate speech in that area, but any regulation on speech has to be reasonable and cannot be an effort to suppress speech based on viewpoint. Okay, Tony, if you can go to the next slide, please. Okay. So government speech. The government has its own rights to speech and expression. Examples of government speech are statements or proclamations issued by city council, public school curricula and textbooks, statements that the government makes on its social media accounts and public service announcements. When the government is expressing a position or a viewpoint, it is immune from first amendment challenges of viewpoint discrimination. This is commonly misunderstood. So here's what this means. When the government speaks or takes a position, it does not create a public forum and it is not legally required to also put forth competing viewpoints on the same issue. The city regularly exercises its government speech. An example is through the use of special recognitions and mayoral proclamations at council meetings. To list some examples from the last couple of years, the city has issued proclamations supporting Habitat for Humanity, 
honoring Pride Month, celebrating Public Service Recognition Week, proclaiming an International Human Rights Day in the city of Champaign, and declaring a Police Engagement Recognition Day. The city also engages in government speech when it issues public statements. So for example, last year, the city issued a statement reassuring the community that the city of Champaign is committed to fostering a welcoming community, and as required by law, does not participate in ICE raids or federal matters related to immigration. In each of the above examples, the city is speaking or taking a position, and it's not required to present both sides. So another example would be the city would not be required to issue a statement asking people to wear masks to prevent the spread of COVID, and then another message suggesting that masks are not effective. If the government was required to do that, it would be impossible to govern. So similarly, if the city opts to create a mural proclaiming that Black Lives Matter, it is not then legally obligated to paint or to allow murals with different or competing messages in the same area. So we're gonna talk a little about government speech in art. Public art can be considered government speech. Public entities frequently commission or select works of art, including murals, sculptures, and outdoor displays for public spaces. The doctrine of government speech is well established. However, litigation sometimes arises concerning when public artwork is government speech and when it is private speech. The Supreme Court has held that the government speech doctrine extends to situations where the government receives private assistance in delivering a government endorsed message. So for example, in this presentation, this would be hiring an artist or a contractor to create a public mural, for example. However, this can become complicated depending on the relationship and the proximity between the government and the message. This is fact specific, but for the purposes of this study session, here are some scenarios with some likely outcomes. If the city were to create a Black Lives Matter mural on the public right of way, this would be considered an exercise of government speech. And the city would not legally be required to also allow messages, um, other messages in the same area. If the city were to select an artist or hire a contractor to paint a Black Lives Matter mural where the city defines the specifications of the mural, this would also be considered an exercise of government speech and the city would not be required to allow other messages in the same area. However, if the city paid an artist or artists to create a mural in a public space, but did not direct the message or the subject matter of the art, the city could potentially face an argument that the speech is no longer government speech, but rather individual private speech. And therefore the city has opened up a public forum and may have to allow differing messages to be displayed in the same area. And the last example is if the city opened the public right of way and simply allowed artists to paint murals without directing the art in any way, the city would almost definitely be legally required to allow paintings with other viewpoints in that same area of the right of way. So, in short, the city would be most protected from a First Amendment claim if the city created a mural or hired a contractor or an artist to create a mural with defined specifications. Okay, Tony, if you don't mind. Thank you. So the Black Lives Matter movement. The Black Lives Matter movement was founded by three activists and community organizers after the 2013 acquittal of George Zimmerman, a neighborhood watch coordinator for the killing of unarmed black teenager Trayvon Martin in Florida. Originally, Black Lives Matter was a hashtag that was used and shared on social media. After the August 2014 shooting death of Michael Brown, an unarmed Black teenager by a police officer in Ferguson, Missouri, Black Lives Matter was galvanized to become a global organization with branches throughout the United States and abroad. Black Lives Matter has since become a social and political movement that has become the catalyst for protests and vigorous debates focused on anti-racism and justice for the Black community in areas such as criminal justice and policing reform. 
Since 2014, Black Lives Matter has protested other high profile deaths of Black Americans, including Tamir Rice, Laquan McDonald, Freddie Gray, Walter Scott, Sandra Bland, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, Ahmaud Arbery, Jacob Blake, and Breonna Taylor. On May 25th, 2020, an unarmed Black man named George Floyd was killed by Minneapolis Police Department officers during an arrest in which an officer knelt on Floyd's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. In the wake of Floyd's death, one officer was charged with second degree murder and manslaughter, and three others were charged with aiding and abetting murder. Protests rage across the country throughout the summer. Approximately 15 to 26 million people in the US protested in Black Lives Matter demonstrations over the span of a few weeks in June, with half a million people demonstrating in nearly 550 places in the US on June 6th alone, which many say made this the largest protest movement in US history. Next slide, please. So I think it's important to discuss Black Lives Matter as a movement, as a statement, and an organization. So the words Black Lives Matter represent different things. Black Lives Matter is generally understood to be a decentralized social movement with no formal organizational hierarchy. The millions of people showing up to march for racial justice over the summer largely did not belong to a formal organization, but were rallying around a common cause. Black Lives Matter is also a nonprofit. The community organizers who co-founded the Black Lives Matter movement in 2013 later created the Black Lives Matter Global Network, which is registered in the US as a nonprofit with state and local chapters across the US and the world. Finally, Black Lives Matter is a social justice statement. The phrase is ubiquitous on protest signs, hashtags on social media, and by companies and organizations to show solidarity with the movement for racial justice. There have been efforts to trademark the phrase Black Lives Matter going back to 2014, which have increased since George Floyd's death. The US Patent and Trademark Office has thus far rejected attempts to trademark the phrase, reasoning that it is commonly used as an expression of support of a social justice movement and is not identified with a solitary source. The phrase Black Lives Matter does not belong to any individual or group. Standing alone, the phrase would be an affirmation that the city of Champaign um, affirms that the lives of Black people have value and worth and that the city is committed to anti-racism in its actions and policies. Next slide, please. So in recent months, dozens of cities in the US and abroad have painted the words Black Lives Matter on the public right of way, often on sidewalks and roadways. Some murals are created by the government, some were created by local public arts groups, and some were created by groups of volunteers or protesters. In the state of Illinois, Oak Park was the first to unveil a Black Lives Matter street mural, created in partnership by a group of community organizers and the local arts council. Several large street murals have popped up throughout the city of Chicago as well. And that picture on the top left is the one that is in Oak Park. Um, the Oak Park mural was vandalized in the middle of the night shortly after its creation. This is unfortunately not an isolated incident. Other murals have been defaced or painted over, including murals in California, Vermont, and Ohio. In Oak Park, village public works crews worked to power wash and restore the mural. In some other instances, volunteers cleaned and restored murals. If the city were to create or allow the creation of a Black Lives Matter mural, it would need to consider how any possible defacement or damage would be handled. Um, so lawsuits, there have also been lawsuits filed against governmental entities in connection with Black Lives Matter murals, most visibly in New York City and Washington DC. The lawsuits allege violations of the First Amendment as well as other claims. The details of these claims are in the report to council. However, in summary, the lawsuits were filed by groups that demanded that the government grant equal space to other messages. The New York City and Washington DC lawsuits are still pending as of the time of this presentation. 
the governmental entities named have alleged as part of their defense that they've engaged in government speech and are not required to allow other competing messages on public property. In other similar First Amendment cases, courts have directed plaintiffs to use the election process or to challenge the message using their own public speech to communicate their disapproval. I do have a few more examples of cities that have been challenged on their murals in, um, in the last month or so. Um, there was a lawsuit recently threatened in Salt Lake City after the, the city commissioned a Black Lives Matter mural. This has not yet been filed. Um, the city of Phoenix is currently being threatened with lawsuits after it denied requests from both Black Lives Matter and another group seeking to paint the message, no one is above the law. And in other cities such as Tulsa and Redwood, California, um, the cities have decided to remove Black Lives Matter murals that were created by members of the public when they were then faced with requests by other groups to paint competing messages. As the cities did not create the murals themselves, they determined that they were at risk of a challenge that they had created a public forum and would therefore be required to allow all messages. Next slide, please. Okay, so if the city does approve the installation of a Black Lives Matter message on the public right of way, it could do so in a couple of different ways. The first would be city installation. The public works department could create the mural as a street marking using city materials and staff time. And Tony Vandevener will discuss this in his portion of the presentation. The second method would be by commission. So commissioning an artist or group of artists would involve a competitive proposal process similar to a request for qualifications. This method of um, commissioning public art is common throughout the country. In this scenario, the city would create a general description of the site and the vision for the mural and artists would submit proposals for the space from which the city would select. Salt Lake City recently did something similar. The city commissioned their mural using a mural contest program. They issued a call for, for murals that would quote, support the national movement against systemic racism. And then they adopted the winning mural as government speech. In some commissioned public art projects, the government provides funding. In others, the government provides the space and the artists or third parties fund the creation of the project. And the third way would be um, using the city purchasing process. So another method to select a painter would be to hire either an artist or a contractor using the city purchasing process. If council directs the creation of a mural that consists of a specific scope, so for example, solid color letters only, as many cities have done, the city could select either an artist or a painting contractor using a standard invitation to bid. The study session request mentioned hiring a local black artist using the CDAP program. The city cannot legally use race or gender alone as a selection criteria in a competitive purchasing process. However, the city could treat such a purchase as part of the designated purchasing initiative or DPI program. The DPI program provides an opportunity to increase utilization of local economically disadvantaged contractors on city projects. So DPI projects are generally smaller, they're more manageable contracting opportunities, and they're marketed solely to local economically disadvantaged businesses as we define that in our code. Many businesses that are designated as DPI eligible are also on the city's CDAP list. DPI opportunities then also remain subject to the city's purchasing policies and contract requirements. If council directs staff to use the purchasing process to select an artist or a contractor, then the Office of Equity, Community and Human Rights would assist in providing outreach as an opportunity to make sure that a diverse group of local artists are aware of the project and able to bid. Rachel Joy from ECHO is also available if council has any questions regarding the CDAP program or DPI initiative during technical questions. So with that, I'll turn the presentation over to Assistant City Engineer, Tony Vandebenner. Thank you, Jennifer. Um, 
<clears throat> so the proposed location of a mural is uh, Chester Street between uh, Neal Street and Walnut Street. Here's a aerial view of the street uh, with Walnut at the top of the screen and uh, Neal to the south. Uh, similar view here now with Neal at the top of the screen and Walnut at the south. Uh, here's a street view um, looking east towards Walnut and you can see the uh, main doors of the city building to the right, uh, the commercial loading zone uh, there to the left. Um, here's a view looking towards Neal Street west and again, you can see in the upper left-hand corner the main doors of the city building. Uh, the lower left-hand corner is the uh, ADA accessible parking space that serves the city building. Uh, to the right of the screen is the commercial loading zone, uh, Pizzeria Antica, and then the blue dumpsters there uh, kind of mark the location of the Taylor Street Alley. Um, we looked at multiple uh, mural, potential mural locations uh, on Chester Street, um, whether it be sidewalk locations, parking areas, commercial loading zone, or the driving lanes of Chester Street. And I'll go through uh, each of those uh, different types of locations and uh, the pros and cons of those. Uh, first off, uh, sidewalks. Um, creation of a mural on a, on a concrete sidewalk requires the use of paint, as paint is the only material that will properly adhere to concrete. Um, when paint is applied to concrete surfaces, those surfaces lose skid resistance and become slick when wet. So a painted sidewalk has the potential to create a slip fall hazard. And uh, for the city to knowingly create a slip fall hazard on a public sidewalk is a financial liability for the city of Champaign and leaves the city vulnerable to litigation. Um, the city has denied, has denied past requests to paint public sidewalks because of the liability risk to the city. And I will say that staff recommends against creating a mural on the public sidewalk with paint. Um, with that being said, we'll get into the sidewalk locations. So um, the sidewalk directly north of the city building that's uh, marked as uh, I, um, this proposed sidewalk is eight feet wide by 110 feet long. Um, creation of a mural in this location uh, will require the temporary closure of the sidewalk uh, during the construction process. Um, the adjacent loading zone, which is directly to the north of it, you can actually see a truck parked there in the picture. And um, the two spaces closest to the door, including the ADA accessible parking space that serves the city building. If this sidewalk is to be used as a mural location, it cannot be permanently closed as this is the uh, ADA accessible route in and out of the city building for both visitors to the city building and city staff. Um, the next location would be the uh, sidewalk on the north side of Chester Street, north near uh, Neal Street, which is marked A. Um, the proposed uh, sidewalk here is nine feet wide by 50 feet long. Um, construction of a mural in this location would make it necessary to temporarily close a sidewalk. Adjacent parking spaces there uh, to the left side of the screen, upper left, um, and the commercial loading zone directly to the south. Um, that commercial loading zone serves the Taylor Street Alley. So uh, not only is it uh, deliver, delivery of uh, materials to the, to the businesses, but that is also where the um, garbage trucks go to collect the uh, refuse for the businesses. Um, the final location is marked B. Uh, to the right of the screen. 
this proposed location is uh, nine feet wide by 50 feet long. Uh, I'm sorry, nine, yeah, also nine feet wide by 50 feet long. Um, if you were to construct it in that location, you would again have to close the commercial loading zone temporarily to accommodate it, as well as the adjacent parking spaces there in the upper right-hand portion of the screen. Um, it could potentially close the sidewalk permanently, um, but it would restrict access to um, Pizzeria Antica and also the route to the Taylor Street Alley. Um, in addition, anybody using those parking spaces then would be forced to walk within Chester Street um, to the crosswalk at Walnut. Uh, the commercial loading zone on the slide mark D, the commercial loading zone is eight feet wide by 70 feet long or 75 feet long. Um, this loading zone is directly in front of the Taylor Street Alley and the Pizzeria Antica. And the surface of Chester Street in this location is asphalt. So in addition to using paint to create a mural in this location, you can use uh, preformed painted letters and uh, thermoplastic letters, which are uh, applied to the pavement by heat. And they're basically melted into the surface of the pavement. Um, this loading zone is frequently used for deliveries, um, uh, garbage collection as well. And then after 5 p.m. daily, it's open for public parking. Um, so the visibility of a mural in this location may be limited. Um, it would uh, be a detriment to the businesses to permanently close this uh, for viewing of a mural as it serves all these businesses down here. Um, and again, is how the garbage is collected. Uh, for the Taylor Street Alley. Next, I'll discuss the angled parking space areas uh, shown here. Um, there are three spaces in the upper left-hand uh, corner of the screen that, near Walnut, um, five spaces in the upper right-hand portion of the screen marked E, um, four spaces in the lower right-hand part of the screen marked H, and then directly to the left of that is marked G, are two spaces, including the ADA accessible space for the city building. Again, this um, area, these are, um, the pa this pavement surface here is asphalt. So again, um, both paint and uh, preformed paint or thermoplastic letters could be used to create a mural in these locations. Um, again, it would also get slick when wet, potentially. Um, however, it wouldn't be any different than any other type of pavement marking. Uh, any type of payment marker has the potential to do that um, and it wouldn't be a ADA accessible route to the building. Um, these are frequently used parking spaces. Um, so closing them permanently um, will restrict access to the city building uh, for visitors uh, or the adjacent businesses. Um, if it were to be closed off, um, city staff would have to use some form of barricade um, as even with the meters bagged, illegal parking would probably still uh, continue. So we'd have to put up some sort of physical barrier uh, to prevent access to those. Um, each one of these parking meters generates uh, approximately $131 uh, per month for the city. So again, closing those spaces is uh, a loss of revenue uh, to the city. Um, as I noted before, G um, 
would not be recommended to be a location for a mural as that is the ADA accessible space serving the city building and removing it uh, would be a violation of the uh, uh, ADA code. Chester Street driving lane, um, F. So it's approximately 16 feet wide by 180 feet long. Uh, it's, you know, asphalt pavement. So again, paint, preformed letters, uh, whether they uh, be paint or thermoplastic could be used. Um, a potential, um, a mural in this location would be highly visible. Um, it does run the risk of being damaged by snow and ice removal operations, um, traffic uh, and weather in this location. Uh, however, um, that's not as big a concern as it would be um, in other areas. Um, a mural again in this location would be pretty highly visible and um, easy to create. So here's an example of a um, couple of types of murals. This would be what I would describe you know, a single color block letter mural. Um, this was created in New York City on Fifth Avenue. Um, this is a block letter mural that was created by a group of artists in St. Petersburg, Florida. And, you know, uh, also block letters, but considerably uh, more complex uh, design. So if a public works, uh, the public works department were to create a mural, it would be limited to uh, single color block letters. Um, it's estimated that it would take a two person crew uh, uh, up to eight hours, probably a full eight hour day with Chester Street close to traffic. Um, your material options include the uh, preformed paint and thermoplastic letters, as well as the use of stencils and paint. Um, I will note that uh, the delivery, the turnaround on delivery of materials is uh, 30 days. And I would say with upcoming holidays, if, if something was to happen, it would be further delayed by the holidays. Um, required conditions to apply the mural, um, the pavement needs to be clean and dry and um, the temperatures have to be above freezing. If you're going to use the preformed uh, paint and thermoplastic letters that are you know, adhered to the pavement with heat. Um, if you're using paint and stencils, uh, air temperatures have to be above 60 degrees to allow the paint to properly cure. And um, the Illinois Department of Transportation does not recommend applying paint uh, between November 1st and April 1st. So it would have to be installation uh, by either method would likely be in the spring of uh, 2021. Um, in estimated installation cost. Uh, for preformed paint and thermoplastic letters is uh, approximately $1,600. Uh, stencils and paint would cost approximately $2,500, uh, the majority of which is the cost of the stencils themselves. Um, maintenance cycle uh, and cost, you know, again, you'll have damage from vehicles, weather, uh, snow and ice removal operations. Um, it's estimated that preformed paint and thermoplastic would need to be maintained every other year at a cost of $1,600. Whereas um, paint, stencils and paint, that type of method, um, paint doesn't adhere as well to pavement. So it would need to be maintained annually uh, at an approximate cost of $500. And again, these figures would, um, would increase annually for inflation. Um, an artist or vendor created mural could be, um, again, a single color block letter mural uh, to something as complex as uh, the example I showed earlier 
um, from St. Petersburg. Um, it's estimated that um, it could take up to 40 hours with Chester Street closed to traffic. Um, the mural would have to be painted um, and the required conditions again would require clean and dry pavement uh, and then it would have to be painted between April 1st and November 1st when uh, air temperatures are above 60 degrees. So again, it would be uh, installation in spring of 2021. Um, in addition to the required weather and payment conditions, uh, the city's procurement process would probably necessitate that being the earliest that, uh, it could be created. Uh, the estimated installation cost uh, is really dependent on the size and the complexity of the mural. Um, we're estimating five to $10,000 for a artist or vendor created mural. Um, again, since it's paint, um, we estimate that it would have to be maintained annually due to the damage from vehicles, weather, snow and ice removal operations. Um, an artistic uh, mural uh, that's not a single color would need to, you know, a more artistic creation um, would have to be maintained by uh, an artist or a vendor. City staff would not have the expertise to do that. Uh, and we estimate the cost, annual cost of maintaining that between $1,000 and $5,000 you know, again, this depending on the size and complexity. A single color black letter mural created, created by an artist or vendor could be maintained by Public Works or the artist or vendor. Um, if it's Public Works, we estimate that it would cost uh, approximately $500 annually plus inflationary increases. Um, if the mural was damaged or defaced, um, it's estimated that staff would spend eight hours of time cleaning the mural. Um, that would be uh, probably consisting of uh, power washing and, and attempting to remove uh, whatever has been applied to the surface of it. Um, again, it depends on the, the nature of the damage. There's a potential that it could be damaged beyond repair um, and then would require um, repainting um, or recreation when, when the weather conditions allow. Um, Repair of a defacer damaged, more complex artist created uh, mural. Uh, again, staff would probably be the first one to respond to that, attempt to power wash it and remove, remove whatever uh, damage was done. But if the damage was extensive, it would probably require contracting with the artist or vendor to uh, come back and touch up those areas uh, when weather allows. And uh, with that, I will hand it back to Jennifer. Okay, so in terms of next steps, if council directs staff to install a Black Lives Matter mural on the Chester Street right-of-way, the next steps would depend on council's preferred manner of the mural's creation and its location. So if the total cost of the city installing the mural, commissioning an artist to paint the mural, or hiring a contractor to paint the mural is below the administrative purchasing limit, then staff would proceed with a purchase or selection process administratively based on council's guidance at the study session. An official resolution declaring support for Black Lives Matter would not be required to establish the mural as government speech. If the city installs the mural or pays for an artist or contractor to install a mural, this action would be sufficient to convey government speech. However, council could elect to pass a resolution or to issue a proclamation if they want to publicly declare their position. Um, doing that would fortify council's position that Black Lives Matter is city government speech and would potentially strengthen any defense of a First Amendment claim that could be brought. And so the alternatives here would be number one, to direct staff to proceed with actions 
necessary to install a Black Lives Matter mural in the Chester Street right-of-way and would give direction on the preferred manner of creation and its location. If council provides direction to proceed, then the administration would schedule any related council bills for consideration on future regular meeting agendas if necessary. And the second alternative would be to not direct staff to take actions toward the installation of a Black Lives Matter mural in the Chester Street right-of-way and would provide alternative direction to staff. So now we'll turn the presentation back over for any technical questions. Thank you. Any council member Gladney. Thank you. So um, Jennifer, can you tell us, is has anything like this ever been done in the city of Champaign? Has the city as an entity ever done anything like this before? Well, so I can only speak to, uh, to my limited knowledge. I'm not aware that we have ever painted a street mural as government speech, but I might turn this over to Fred to tell me if he knows of any. He's been here for 40 years. He may know if there's ever been anything similar. I can say uh, no. Although there have been in uh, a number of communities, different mural programs, uh, I don't recall any being in the city uh, during, since 1981, I can speak. There were murals on walls before then. Uh, I think probably people who've been here for a long time recall that. And I'm certainly aware of a mural program that was hmm, uh, done by federally funded uh, traveling muralists uh, uh, before that time, but not since uh, 1981 have we undertaken any okay. art projects other than permitting the, the statuary on the right away. Okay. Um, earlier in the presentation, Jennifer, you, meant, you brought up proclamations on how the city does those and whatnot. How similar or dissimilar is this to those proclamations? I would say that the main difference is just the method of delivery of the message. So a proclamation is just a verbal delivery of the city's position. This would just be creating an actual visual representation on city property. So the same concept, but just different methods of delivery. Okay. So this came forward. I mean, the reason we're talking about this is tonight is because uh, some folks in the community um, you know, said this is something that they wanted. Uh, we had a council member who crafted a study session request. Enough of us signed on to have this discussion. So that's how we're here tonight. Um, would that be a similar method followed if, let's say, a community members proposed, um, hey, it, let's, let's say this was successful, and some other community members said, hey, we want you to do a streetscape that says back the blue, mm -hmm. or we want you to do a streetscape that says LGBTQ. Would, would it be a similar type of chain of events that would lead us to discussing those? Yes, so you would, as a council, discuss whether you wanted to adopt that as city government speech and would make the same type of decision, same decision-making process as we're considering now. Is there any type of message that would be prohibited? So in other words, is there something that if somebody proposed it, like a member of the public or members of the public proposed it, that we wouldn't even get to this point, you know, our, our city code would, be, would say, no, this is not at all even something we're gonna consider doing. Or would it just still follow the same, would anything follow the same method? It's a good question. And I think that's where the distinction between government speech and opening a public forum to private speech really comes into play because you as the city 
can issue any statement really that you want. Um, and typically that would be a statement that would be aligned with city mission and values, city council goals. Um, so, so you would really just be bound by what you want to say as a government. In terms of requests from private individuals, so if someone came to you and said, we want to paint a mural on the street that says X, Y, Z. Um, like I mentioned, there are some types of speech that are not protected by the, by the First Amendment. So um, you could not put something on the street that would incite violence toward a group of people um, or that would be an imminent threat toward a person. Um, those are the types of things that we would say no to. We do have a human rights ordinance, and so that would likely guide what you might decide to be appropriate government speech. Um, but in terms of private speech, there's a lot more latitude of what speech is protected by the First Amendment. Okay. This may seem like an unusual comparison, but uh, our honorary street names, mm -hmm. do you know, uh, first of all, how long have we been doing those? I'm not sure. Tony, do you know how long we've done honorary street names? I've been with the city 16 years and they've been doing them as long as I've been here. So. Tom knows it was his brainchild. 20 years. Okay. So then do you know when we developed that, when the city developed that, was a, a set of rules or ordinance developed for that first before we did any of them? Or did that sort of happen organically? Like somebody said, hey, I would like this honorary street name for this person. And we did one or two. And then we said, you know what, maybe we should develop some criteria for this or rules for it. So you might remember. Go ahead, Fred. Um, Fred. <laughs> I just happen to remember uh, the first honorary street name was requested by uh, Cal Robeson uh, for uh, Kirby to be Illini. I think it was Honorary Illini Avenue. Tom may remember this. Uh, and then, then other people started to request and uh, I think the council determined that we needed some uh, policy guiding that, you know, with respect to both uh, yeah, with respect to numbers first, and then it got to be more and more requests. You know, everybody wanted a street name mm -hmm. after them or their friend or their, their relative. And then the city council uh, restricted that uh, to a certain number a year. Uh, that, that was sort of the development. There was an organic development, as you mentioned, but it started with just sort of a random request by Kyle Robeson, although it had been done in other communities. Uh, there was an issue in Chicago, uh, they got to be too many honorary street names and the fire department was getting confused which streets to go to. So they restricted that as well. Okay, all right, thank you. Those are my questions. Councilmember Beck. Uh, if we, one of the options that I didn't see on there is what if we decided we wanted to make this a part of like a youth initiative. So given that we can't probably won't be able to do anything till the spring, correct? Is that is that first correct? Yeah, I did the conditions, weather conditions. If you were to try to attempt to put a mural down at this time of year, um, it's not going to adhere and, and you're you're gonna lose it within a few months, I'm sure, through rain and, and snow and ice removal and those things. So it's going to be spring before we have weather conditions where it's going to last. Okay. So given that, thank you for that. And given that 
our timeline is maybe a little bit further out then, uh, we, if we looked at the whole outside contracting issue in a different way, could we maybe roll this into a, a youth initiative that we want to do in the spring and summer of next year and make this a part of that process? Could we do that? So yeah, I think that would be similar to, or kind of would fall in the bucket of that um, commissioning option. So like I said, Salt Lake City did sort of a mural contest where they had people submit proposals and they chose from the proposals. It could be something similar to that where we give opportunities to different youth groups um, and allow them to propose ideas. Um, or we could reach out to an individual group and ask them to work on an idea. I think key to that idea would just be if we want to maintain it as government speech and kind of have control over what messages we're allowing, we would just want to work on what we want the specifications to be. Um, but I think that that would be also very feasible. Okay. And um, if we were to do that, could we do that in, this might be maybe a, a question for Dorothy or um, someone uh, other than you, Jennifer, but um, what would, would we be able to roll that into any of our current uh, initiatives that we do? Would that, would it fit in with any of those initiatives? So like our Operation Hope work or some of the other kind of youth partnerships, um, it certainly is something that we can explore. Uh, many of the youth partnerships, even though we are a partner, we are more the financial partner and it's actually a nonprofit or the school district that's implementing. Um, but, you know, could it be an activity for some of the youth groups that we're working with? Sure. Okay. All right. Thank you. Councilmember Pam Fatty. Jennifer, have there been any um, circumstances in which, um, you know, if we look at this as government speech and then, uh, you know, uh, other organizations come up and or other people, um, individuals would like something else similar. And so we go through the same process. And so we have to determine, um, are we going to designate something else as government speech? Um, but we don't want to keep, you know, having streets and designating things as government speech. Have there been any circumstances in which um, cities have been sued because of discriminatory practices, because a group or an individual has said um, the city is really using government speech as a way to sort of um, kind of couch what they're really, they're, you know, they're really siding with one, one perspective over another? Yeah, definitely. That is um, the basis of some of these First Amendment lawsuits as people allege, you know, you shouldn't pick and choose between messages. Um, and like I said, if it's government speech and if the city has adopted it as its speech, it is not legally bound to um, to create messages or to um, to allow messages in that same area that are different. I think where it really starts to get to be a gray area is where it's groups coming to us and asking for permission to do a mural. Um, that, I think, when we start crossing over into that area is when it starts to look like, rather than it being city-initiated government speech, we are entertaining proposals from different private 
speakers. Um, and so I think that is where we lose a little of our legal foundation is where it starts to look more like we're accepting proposals from different groups for speech. Then it looks more like we're opening up a public forum. Um, so I hope that answers. Well, it, that, uh, it, it answers the question a little bit, like a little different of a question. My question is this. So um, we, we keep getting, let's say at this scenario is after whatever happens tonight happens, let's say it, this gets approved and then we get six more requests for streets, but we decide that this is, we wanted just one, but then they say, well, you're discriminating against all these others because we don't get five signatures to move anything else to study session. Can they sue us for discrimination because we didn't want to entertain any other ideas? Right. Um, I think that that's where those kind of scenarios come into play. The more proximity and the more sort of control that we are exerting over either the funding, the creation of the message, the method of delivery, the stronger our argument is that it's government speech and it's not discriminatory of us to say, yes, we're going to speak one message and we're not going to speak a different message. I think that those are the things that make our, our, our uh, foundation stronger. Um, whereas, like I said, in one of those situations, if we, if we have a lot looser of a relationship where it's, yeah, we'll open the street and you guys come in and paint a mural and we're not gonna really have that much control or oversight on what it is, then yes, we become a lot more vulnerable to those kinds of claims that we're preferring certain private speakers over other private speakers. Thank you. Stock, sorry. I was saying stock, but I was muted. Gotcha, I was afraid I froze up again. Um, okay, Jennifer, bear with me. This may be a dumb question, but I was asked it today and I just kind of want to clarify. So I guess the question sort of is, how do we define a mural? And the reason I asked that is, because we use that, or we just, I don't want to get involved in semantics too much, but does it matter that it's just explicit words with the message as opposed to artwork, which is more open to interpretation. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And it's not a stupid question. I actually read a law review article today on this exact topic. It was about how art is so open to subjective interpretation that, you know, how do you assign what the speech is? Um, so it's not a dumb question. Um, legally, no, it doesn't matter. Um, if we create or commission the piece of art, it doesn't matter whether it's a slogan or, you know, an image of a person, for example, we can adopt that as government speech, regardless of whether it's a, an image or words. Okay, thank you. And then um, from your perspective, would an honorary street name designation be potentially less litigious than opening up the floodgates for a streetscape? Not necessarily. So in Washington, D.C., uh, one of the uh, pieces of that lawsuit had to do with naming, um, a, I think there was a street in Washington, D.C. that they named Black Lives Matter Plaza. And that was actually part of the lawsuit against the city and its officials was that naming that street um, 
should have been open to other names um, or that they should then entertain other names for other surrounding streets with different slogans. And so this Washington DC came back and said, no, this is government speech. We have the authority to name that, that street and not have to name others as well. Okay, just to kind of clarify my question a little bit because I wasn't clear. I was saying if we went through our honorary street name process that we've already determined that we've decided that we're going to name a line away or we're going to name whatever it is. If we follow that same process that we already have in place, is that does that change the game at all in terms of our exposure? Um, I think it's helpful in that there's a designated process for um, the designated street names, um, but I think for First Amendment purposes, I think we could just as easily be sued and, and people saying that we're being unfair with messaging. Gotcha. Okay. And then lastly, and city manager, this may be a question for you. Um, are there efforts or were there efforts? I feel like I heard about efforts at one point about other mural, potential mural projects, maybe by other organizations or VCC or something like that. So, at I, one so I do believe that VCC is still working on this um, in trying to establish a partnership um, to do um, the last I heard, not just one mural, but perhaps to do several murals that would reflect local African-American history. Um, but you know the details. I think they're still working on that. But there, there are other efforts. But again, that's not a street mural. That would be looking at like buildings and other locales. Okay. I've been and involved in the street mural conversation. Um, I'm a part of it, and it's just people in the community talking about it. But they really are focused on using private funding and doing private things so they can bring in more outside people. Um, so I think as far as the the heritage walk, it's what she called it was a heritage walk. So she wanted to put more than one mural together. She wants to have murals span across the entire community. And so that was one of the things that came up in amongst this conversation that seemed that it might be more powerful um, if you if we let them finish, if that makes any sense. Councilmember Kyles or Stock, did you still have another question? Well, I just want to follow up on what council member Foreman just said. So back to the city manager. So would that be something that the city could be involved with in terms of allowing, what would that process look like? For example, if we wanted to allow that group to paint a mural on the south side of the city building, for example, or so, a own city okay. owned property. I'm happy to answer the question since you've directed it to me, but I, um, I'm going to rely well, you can on I would think the process is the same. So the questions, the considerations about any use of public infrastructure for government speech or for artwork, all the considerations that Jennifer present are the same on whether we decide to paint it on the side of the public works building or the side of the city building or other public infrastructure versus the street, because it's still we still have to make sure that whatever we're doing is not creating that public speech forum and that it remains government speech. And Jennifer, if I'm incorrect, please clarify. No, I would agree. Um, that's similar to in Washington, DC, um, their murals uh, were assisted in part by a program called Murals DC. And it's a partnership between um, the DC Public Works Department and the DC Commission on the Arts and Humanities. They have a program that encourages local artists to do public murals on private property and public property to deter graffiti. 
Um, so I think it would be kind of similar. We would still be sort of steering the project and setting the parameters um, and therefore could, could maintain that control and say that it's government speech still. Thank you both. Councilmember Kyles. Thank you. My question is really quick. It's about the facing. Um, I know that we have some experience with some of the artwork around town um, and some of not necessarily murals, but um, some of our statues, such as the uh, Humpty Dumpty egg. Um, how is that? Um, what are what are your, what are our, some of the thoughts or things that are being done around the country um, to address that um, issue as it pertains to any event that something you know negative happens, like the facing? Are you talking about the Trump being carved into his head? Yeah, I think it was that and it was some other stuff. I think that was one of many things. Or a couple, yeah, I think that was one thing and then maybe something else happened. So I definitely know that kind of stuff does happen. I didn't dive deep into the research on, you know, what to do if it's vandalized because it's um, it's so widely varied as to how and, and what method it's used. Um, you know, if it's somebody goes out there and possibly tries to put paint over the existing paint, and then maybe that's something that can be power washed off. Um, but, you know, you know, I don't really want to give people ideas on ways to go out and deface things, but, you know, if they go and, you know, burn it, you know, set something on fire on it, and it physically, you know, damages, damages the pavement, then there would be nothing you could do other than to go back in and, and you know, repaint it and fully restore it. Um, you know, these pavement markings are, you know, not really meant to last forever anyway, whether it's paint, preformed thermoplastic or, you know, preformed paint markings or whatever, you know, they have a shelf life anyway. So, you know, it, it you know, they get damaged just by vehicle traffic on them and snow and ice operations um, on top of them. So if somebody came in and really wanted to, you know, deface it, they could certainly do it. Um, it would probably, most of the time, my guess is it would result in um, having to repaint it uh, and recreate it. Thank you. Anyone else with technical? Uh, Councilmember Beck. Uh, I, thank you, uh, Councilmember Kyles, for that question because it reminded me of a question that I had that I forgot to ask. Um, when you were doing your research, either um, either one of you, when you were looking at other communities. Did, was there any mention of maintenance for longevity of the murals that were on streets? Or did you see any information about that anywhere? Um, or, or were they sort of deemed as more like temporary art installations that as weather and where, as normal weather and where outside of vandalism or outside of intentional harm to the murals was made, was there, would, was there any indication that communities were looking to maintain these for a certain period of time. I did not see anything in my research, but I didn't uh, dive heavy into the um, life of these murals. Um, mine was more of, I was looking at examples in various locations. So, you know, for example, uh, the artistic mural that's in St. Petersburg, Florida, obviously that's gonna have a pretty long life because it's, it's in, you know, very nice weather conditions. Um, the one that's on the street in New York City, 
um, it's probably going to have to be repainted annually is my guess because of all the traffic and, and everything else on it. And, you know, really, I think it's, um, I didn't come across anything that said how long, how long they committed to having those murals. I did not find that in my research. Anyone else? Oh, Councilmember Beck, did you? Nothing else? Councilmember Bricks? Sort of off the conversation about the Heritage Walk and the VCC project, if they do that and they have murals all over town and they're using private funding and they're using private buildings, would the city have any role in that at all? I, I mean, if it, I don't think so. I mean, there would be no, um, no direct tie. I mean, we do provide support to VCC and to the extent that VCC staff work on it. But, you know, when we have partnerships and we pr provide support to agencies to deliver certain services for us, they could have other initiatives. So unless they came to us and they asked us for funding or some other specific activity in that partnership, they would be free to, to do the heritage walk on private property on their own, the city, I mean, we don't regulate it. We don't control it. We, you know, they might be open to our input, but there's no official role. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? Councilman Foreman. Not a question, but um, they let me be a part of the conversation, but only as a community member. I am not a part of the conversation as a council member. They really, it was, it's really like a private effort. They, I mean, the best way I can say it to you is not everybody want to deal with the government and everybody don't want to be involved with government tape. And it seemed that it would be easier um, and more free if it wasn't involved with government stuff. And so, like I said, in those conversations, it seemed that it may be that was a better place for such a conversation. However, this predates this conversation. So, um, but I think, I don't think they're ready to give enough information about the heritage walk and the mural, but the conversation is going on and it's, it predates like a lot of this stuff that happened. Um, so um, I think it's really, I think it's really beneficial and it kind of makes me feel sad that we're having this conversation now. Anyone else? I just, I had a question about 40 North and whether we had brought them in at all. I know that we had, um, and there's no doubt that, you know, they continued to need money to sustain their organization and their staff, but we um, had contributed for Friday Night Live, which didn't occur this summer. And I'm, I'm wondering if, and, you know, they are the arts organization. I'm wondering if there is an opportunity here for a partnership with them as well. Is that Kelly? She she's in on the mural talk at Kelly's Champagne City. I mean, everybody's in on this. You got people from every little the park district. Lots of people are kind of like talking. So are you suggesting that we should be holding off this discussion until something else happens? I being the person who wrote the study session request, um, I believe, in my humble opinion, that the mural and the heritage walk could be more powerful long-term if we as an organization supported VCC or supported what they do, not necessarily monetarily. Um, but of course that's up for the council. But I do think if once you guys were to hear about it, I do think that council may see 
um, the educational benefit. I mean, it ties into so much more than just the street mural. Not that the street mural can't, but the way they have it set up, it could be educational, it could be tourist, it could be, you know, for quality of life for people. So I just find it to be better. But of course, um, sorry, it's it seems stupid. I'm sorry, you guys, but it is a little after the conversation. But I do think the mural is better um, long term. Councilmember Piamfetti, did you have a technical question? I'm not sure it's a technical question, but I was just going to echo some of the comments that Councilwoman Foreman just made because in the conversations that I've had with some of uh, the residents in uh, my district who may or may not be on the same committee um, with Councilwoman Foreman, they did mention quite a bit about um, the mural project with VCC and wanting to know if there was a way that maybe we could partner more with that or find some ways to um, support that because they thought it might be more impactful and be more to the point of what um, the, the message of what this mural was trying to do would be more impactful with what the vision of these collective um, outcomes of what VCC was trying to do. So I was just wanting to support her comments as well. Um, Cause that was what was given to me. I know, I don't know, I don't have firsthand knowledge of it but that was what was coming to me from um, some people that were reaching out to me over the weekend. Council member Beck and we have not gone to the audience yet. We're still on technical questions. Uh, I'm wondering if it's, it, and I think that you said this, Jennifer, in your previous comments, is it possible for us to jump out of this study session and still direct to do solely a proclamation or a resolution that declares Black Lives Matter if the council were to decide to instead monetarily support the murals and then we would then make a proclamation or declaration and then that would be protected underneath government speech and all of that. Is that correct? Yeah, a proclamation would also be protected as government speech. It would be considered probably separately um, giving the money to VCC and, and directing the murals. That would be a different analysis of, you know, how close are we to the project? Are we directing the message? That kind of thing. But yeah, the proclamation would be considered government speech. Um, and I have a question for Fred. I think I know the answer, but we are able to do a proclamation that is all the all of council participating so it's not just a mayoral proclamation but council would vote and approve it uh sure we could do a resolution of some type any other technical questions before we go to the audience okay so we are going to the audience on this matter Please state your name and city of residence. You will have five minutes to speak. Councilmember Bruno. I'll turn the microphone on for Justin Hendricks. Hello, can you all hear me again? Once again, this is Justin Michael Hendricks, Champaign residence. We already know the rest. Slavery, three-fifths, Freedman Papers, segregation, Reaganomics, the crime bill, three strikes, school to prison pipeline, redlining, gentrification, the 13th amendment and more. Those are government speeches that have been used as laws to invade black lives. I must ask, since when black lives became a political or government statement or speech or movement?
please let me know. I must need those facts. Art is expressive, art is provoking, art is creative. Art is truth. Art is not a political or government speech. Black is expressive, black is provoking, black is creative, black is truth. Being black is not a political or government speech or statement. What is government speech was an opportunity that was missed today in which our public officials didn't challenge or question the state's governor, but was silent. The same silence that remains when given to black lives daily, monthly, years, and more. This was submitted and mentioned back in July. The weight has done nothing but show the weight blacks have been given in access, equity, equality, and more on opportunities and messaging rather than be creative or communicative. This has done nothing but dilute and create a conversation to allow people to think it was a government and political move, which in fact is a people's move that has been birthed standing on the shoulders of our ancestors, like we want them to have the history in our lives the history of black people in Champagne as the heritage walk and many other things such as the mural paintings around Champagne or better that we are wanting. You thought this was just it? No, we want more because we know our culture is creative and expressive and it must be seen in our communities at all times. It's obvious fear is the leading option alongside oppressing and oppression. And I don't operate like that when speaking in regards to the study session and my community. It would have been nice to be mentioned in the report that we've seen the black lives in Champagne we have lost. Once again, I am sure the police will love a back to blue mural and a street. Please do whatever comforts you. That is not that is not our focus. Lastly, the design itself that we have created was inclusive to black trans and queer lives, black African lives, black women, black men, black children that matter and that have been here in Champaign. Plus also many people and companies were willing to contribute their time, supplies and funding. Alicia Beck. That idea that you had was great, and I would love to be included on how we can create more uh, community engagement as we must include our communities in this matter, as it must be community-led and uh, council-backed in this initiative by bringing in companies and organizations to create this mural if it does go forward, uh, if we do move back to a further date. Um, with that being said, I thank you all for taking the time with doing this study session. I know most of the time when I do call, um, I do come in very um, passionate for my community because as they have tokened me as the people's mayor. I speak passionately for my community, as I know you all do in your seats. You hope, I hope, it is my hope you speak with passion and compassion for your community as you sit in these seats and they vote for you. Um, so with that being said, I thank you all for this time. I know this might be shocking that I'm thanking you all for this time. Um, for Clarissa Foreman, for Matthew Gladney, I thank you all for our meetings and our personal conversations we had on these matters, even outside of a mural and a painting, but just what we can do effectively in our community. Uh, to the mayor, Deb Deborah Finan, I thank you for our meeting that we had previously. I know sometimes I may come off uh, rough around the edges, according to you or many others, but the way that I learned uh, how to speak sometimes, it may not be receptive to others, but sometimes I am a little bit more passionate in my speech and my position than what others may be. So with that being said, I thank you all for your time. Have a good night. Thank you. I'm going to unmute the microphone for Brian Dunn. Uh, hey, I'm Brian Dunn from Champaign. Tough act to follow there, but just going to give a few more of my thoughts, um, especially hearing some of the other public comments during the general comment section. Uh, in regards to uh, defacement and this statement of Black Lives Matter somehow being divisive, um, I think that comes down to educating the public. Uh, it's not like a big opposition that some people had to this was the, the, the threat of defacement and, and the costs that that would incur. 
Um, I hope that they would take their energy to kind of educate themselves and others to the ways that government has sponsored and funded uh, so many different policies and initiatives that have torn down the lives of black people in our community for generations and continue to do so. Um, if anybody wanted to talk to me about this, if they had any questions about like what I'm talking about, where my, I'm getting my information from, any of those back to blue people still listening, you can reach out to me. My email is bd, uh, d as in dog, b-d-u-n-n, five four two five at gmail.com that's bd unn five four two five at gmail.com just hearing the notion that black lives matter is somehow divisive to people um, i think that's a big problem and that's something that i would love to have a discussion with anybody about um, so you know the mural i'm not too hot on it um, i do think money could be better spent elsewhere but at the same time we're spending uh, a thirty eight thousand dollar recurring costs for gas masks for the police force um, to fire pepper balls at primarily black groups of protesters. So I think that there's a lot of things that we could talk about budgetary wise, but yeah, that's all I got to say for now. Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna turn on the microphone for Tiffany Armas. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, Tiffany Armas from Champaign. Um, again, just following up from some of the public comments earlier, um, clearly this recommendation to implement a, a Black Lives Matter mural has touched a nerve with, uh, with some in our community. Um, just as systemic racism understandably causes anger and frustration in people of color, I think it's time to stand in solidarity with Black lives who have been oppressed and who have suffered from systemic racism for over 400 years. White people have had an advantage for so long and we need to level the playing field for all people, especially Black lives. I think this mural will start a conversation with folks who need to begin to open their minds. Again, I think this mural is an important public declaration and an important first step for the Champaign City Council. Let's do this and then quickly start discussing what's next and get on to more important priorities. Um, Matt Stuckey, you stated people are mad about the mural. Well, people of color are rightfully angry about systemic racism and the unfair and unjust treatment they endure day in and day out in our community based on purely the color of their skin. And the only weapons I've seen at protests this summer are the weapons I see at the Back the Blue rally by their members. So let's be clear on that. I've listened tonight to threats of vandalism on a mural that hasn't even been approved yet. I've also heard tonight about examples of re retaliation in our community, unethical retaliation by people who are sworn in and paid by taxpayers to protect and serve all members of our community and, and those who are compromising on that commitment that I think is unacceptable and sad. In conclusion, I agree with Councilwoman Foreman. There are other communities who are not willing to have these conversations and are not willing to put forth a proposal for a Black Lives Matter mural. I wanna thank the mayor and the entire city council for opening up the Champaign City Council meeting to this critical public dialogue. I'm asking that Champaign City Council do the right thing, approve this first step, and then let's quickly move on to bigger priorities to address and put an end to systemic racism. Thank you. Thank you. Can you turn the microphone on for Drake? Hello, can everyone hear me? Yes. 
All right, so uh, my name is Drake, and uh, again, here I am, I am back. Uh, and just to piggyback off uh, what my brother said, uh, what Justin said, to highlight what he said, uh, today we did go out to see J.B. Prisker, and uh, we had to do what we had to do in order to uh, always get our message across. You know, a lot of times we do come off as angry. Uh, and so, look, give y'all the benefit of the doubt for the fragility that you all seem to have even the back to blue people. However, not only is it the stress of being black in America that a lot of people won't understand, I'm not even just mad and angry for myself. I'm not just mad and angry for other college students. I'm mad and angry because of the neglect of the homeless populations. The people that are the most vulnerable, black women, Black trans women, something that this mural stands in solidarity with, something that I believe the city and everyone else should stand in solidarity with, because I do believe some back the blue people did say that they support Black Lives Matters. However, they like to cope, they like to use that and cope their BS with it. So again, I hope that they all understand the contradictions in which they speak. But to continue, the Heritage Walk and the, uh, the mural together, that's history. Y'all can teach history. You can teach what's going on. You can make this a spot for Black people to come and be welcome. As of now, we see that the city is not welcoming the Black folks. Uh, and again, this is something that can be welcoming. You all don't even welcome the Black students. The U of I has, and trust me, my fight with them is the same as my fight with you all. So it's, we're fighting, I'm fighting, we're fighting two battles here. Three, Urbana two. So don't just, so sometimes you all have to just sit back and think and look at your privilege that you have because everything about this country, everything about this system and society is default. When you see a white Jesus, you don't say white Jesus, you say Jesus. And when you see a black Korean Jesus, you say black or Korean Jesus. Everything is default. When you talk about math and science, Eurocentricity, you always go back to Pythagoras. You always go to the Greek philosophers and the Greek mathematicians, but you don't speak about the black Muslims who actually brought culture to the Europeans in Italy and Spain during the, uh, right before the Renaissance period for 700 years. Every time you talk about music, you wanna act like you, Elvis Presley created rock, that you are the creation of all the music, but black folks created that. Everything about this country and system, the default is whiteness. We're asking for something that is the contrary. Something that actually is able to open your minds up to a different reality, a different possibility. I hear that some people may want to work with us, but they're scared. And here is me being, taking the moral high ground as always. If you allow the government, the free speech, the, the government speech to pass, and you allow us to have something for once, for once, and you can't say we have Barack Obama because that was one and look what we have after that. But let me come back to this. If you just give us the mural and you give us a heritage walk, we will teach you a different reality you are stuck in the same cycle of Eurocentricity. 
And then it's time for you to be opened up because we have to learn every single thing about ourselves, live under double consciousness, seeing ourselves through your eyes and our own eyes. We ask just for this little something and we can teach you at Black History. We can teach you LGBTQ history. We can teach you the history of Black people here in Champaign. We can teach you that. And here's the thing. We could have taught you that at the chalk and talks that we had when we had the 10, the 10 days and 10 demands, but nobody showed up. Nobody wanted to learn and just wanted to talk. Our weapons, as someone stated, is our chalk. The paint that should be on the streets saying that we matter. How unfortunate it is that you don't have to talk about you mattering. How fortunate, how fortunate it is. This is nothing that Thank should harm you. me. Thank you for your comments. Your time is up. You need to wrap up, Thank please. Thank you. I will finish with this. Nothing we say should harm you for real if you are truly actively dismantling racism and exposing the contradictions and doing for people. Thank you. I'm gonna turn on the microphone for Kenton Elmore. Good evening, Council. Uh, my name is Kenton Elmore and I live in Champaign. Uh, first and foremost, I, I really wanna thank you for having this discussion tonight and considering this opportunity I'll thank uh, Council Member Foreman for bringing forward the study session request and Council as a whole for signing on to that request. And also the city staff, you know, for putting in the, the time to clarify the components of government speech, and working with local artists, maintenance and uh, everything else that uh, makes this a viable option should you choose to move forward. Um, like, like Council Member Foreman and Council Member Kyle's mentioned earlier, and, and previous speakers, it, it makes me proud as a citizen just to see that council is giving this fair consideration. As far as statements go, which is really what this mural is all about, I think tonight's study session is certainly a statement within itself. Um, as you may recall, I, I came to you in June and addressed council in support of installing a Black Lives Matter street mural on city property. Uh, a whole lot of folks have championed and expressed their views about this idea before me and after me, uh, particularly uh, particularly uh, members of the Black community. I, I continue to support this, um, but it's important to understand what this mural should represent. It's, it's a commitment, not an accomplishment. It's not a sign that will singularly demonstrate your support of social change. It's not a merit badge you've already earned. It's a means for our, our community to hold you accountable in considering future policies um, that will enact change for our Black community. And I've spent lots of time discussing this uh, idea with all kinds of people in our community. And as you've already heard, lots of people have hesitations about it, and including folks in our Black community. They're afraid that this mural will be uh, your last effort in their favor or will be held by you as some artificial symbol of success and bringing social equality to our city. Um, you know, speaking from years of experience watching all of you fight for the issues we face in the community, I know 
that that this mural wouldn't be regarded by any of you as a full solution to the larger issues it, it represents. And I know that if you decide not to move forward with it, that doesn't mean you think black lives don't matter, but we certainly cannot discount the, the perception of both, which exists in our local community as it does on, uh, on the larger scale. Um, I, I know all these concerns have already been raised by others tonight. I, I, just, I just wanted to add my voice. And again, I would still be proud of my city to see this mural you know, uh, on Chester Street. I, I still support it. It would be a strong statement. Uh, you know, a first of its kind for our city, as it was said, and really for a very small cost. But whether you decide to vote this forward or not, what really matters is the commitment that goes with the decision. So, so whether you say yes or no, do it, um, you know, with convictive reasoning as to why it's the best move now in your ongoing efforts to address racism and inequality in Champaign. So, Thank you, as always, for your time and consideration. Thank you. I'm going to turn the microphone on for Mike. Mike, state your name, city of residence. We can return to Mike later if the technical difficulties get figured out. I'll turn on the microphone for Alan Axelrod. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Um, so I want to speak in support of this mural. I think that it's important to support Black artists Black activism, Black businesses, and Black community. But I also recognize that there's a lot of other facets to this discussion. So I want to mention some things that should be done, irrespective of the decision tonight. Uh, I had mentioned before earlier um, that we have artifacts uh, that are racist in this community, whether it is simply a street intersection of white and right um, in Champaign or whether or not it is a business establishment that is credibly accused of not only just uh, racism, but specific mistreatment of black bodies. Um, I don't remember all the bars names, but I do remember one of them being Red Line. The other one might have been Cam's. And the thing is that when there are businesses that are disrespecting and actively discriminating against and mistreating black members of the community, I think that we owe it to ensure that there are clear, enforceable, consequential standards implemented in our ordinances. Let's not have people tell us that they're on their best behavior when it comes to respecting black people in this community, because there are a lot of concerning things that have been brought up in terms of some of the past speakers and the efforts that they've gone to, to harass and intimidate activists, to the sort of, we're totally willing to meet with you, but we won't tell you that we're 
willing to meet except to use it as a public talking point to try and ameliorate the current argument, which is something that was done. So I hope that those thoughts are listened to, which again, to recap is support black artists, activists, businesses, community as a whole, and make sure that we remove racist artifacts in our community and hear people out when they are telling you that they are there and investigate more seriously credible allegations of discriminatory practices and or things that are directly assaults on black bodies in our community. And towards that end, um, when you drive a vehicle slowly and it goes over someone's foot, that's still an injury. The velocity doesn't matter. And the fact that that's used as an excuse puts our community at risk because is five miles an hour slow? Is six miles an hour slow? Is seven miles an hour slow? What is the mathematical calculation that was used to derive that sort of idea? What sort of kinetic energy is necessary? Why is it that putting a bicycle in front of a vehicle is seen as agitation when it is an effort to incentivize someone who is doing something dangerous to stop? Because that's what our community is allowed. And I think that we need to seriously reflect on that. Have a good night. Thank you. Madam Mayor, there are no other hands raised. Okay. And I just, I, um, because this is such a, oh, go ahead, Councilmember Bruno. Mike has raised his hand again, who uh, didn't successfully get on before. To open the microphone for Mike. Mike, if you can hear us, state your name and city of residence. Doesn't seem to be working, Madam Mayor. I'll mute it again. Okay. And I just want to be clear on our process, which is once we move away from public comment, we will go to council comment. We do not go back to public comment on this issue. So I, you know, as we move on, I want people to be aware of that. Seeing no additional hands, council comment. Oh, Rita Connerly's got her hand up. Did she speak yet with, with respect to this? She has not yet spoken in this uh, segment. Okay, please unmute her. Okay. Rita Connerly, you're on. State your name and city of residence. Sure, Rita Connerly, uh, Champaign, Illinois. Deb, thank you for acknowledging and allowing me to speak. I just wanted to chime in really quick here and uh, just reiterate that black lives do matter. Black women, men, children, LGBTQ, trans and indigenous. We come weekly to these meetings to further discuss and have difficult talks that are necessary. Oftentimes public discussions refuse to talk about class and race. Why? Because it exposes the systemic issues of racism that have been prevalent for far too long. And you are in a privileged position to take preventative action for social justice for all people, especially black people. Many of the systems in our communities are tightly networked to ensure the subordination status of a large group of people, Black and Latina ex people. Today, we don't come to speak about personal feelings. 
I can be selfless and disregard my own personal feelings when I think of those that are not as quote unquote privileged as myself. Those without a home, those without a, without a job, those without a meal in the midst of a pandemic. This public study session is just the start of something anew. Here on this council, we have a diverse group of members, young, old, black, white, LGBTQ, a council that is reflective of our diverse community. Members of this council have black children as I've just seen Councilman Foreman's daughter and I applaud her for her service as she balances being a woman, a mother and a politician. I'll end by saying black lives matter, support black artists, activists, women, men, LGBTQ, trans, the black homeless population, those who are less vulnerable, black citizens with felonies, support black lives. Know that not only do they matter, but they are needed. Make the public proclamation that the city declares black lives matter. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Councilmember Bruno, do you want to try Mike one more time before we I'll, go to council I'll try comments? to turn on Mike's microphone one more time. Mike, if you can hear us, go ahead and state your name. State your name and city of residence. I don't think it's working. All right, we are now moving to council comment. Council members, council member Foreman. Okay. So before we get into a big discussion, I was wondering if any of my council members um, have listened to what has been transpired for the last like two hours. Um, and if any of you think that maybe um, setting aside, and I don't know, I need the city manager to jump on and let us know if this is okay, but is there any way we could sit aside the study session request and maybe direct staff to um, put our efforts to make a more impactful statement through uh, the historic, the history muse, uh, murals that VCC is working on? Councilmember Foreman, you guys are free to provide staff direction in any way you see fit. So you don't even, um, unlike a formal resolution on a regular meeting that has procedural things to like set aside or assign it back to staff, at a study session, it really is whatever direction a majority of you choose to give us this evening, we will receive it and then move forward with what you suggest. And I, can, I can craft a poll based on whatever you suggest I would really well. appreciate support from council if you because you guys let us have the conversation if you might be open to um really putting our effort behind supporting the um historical museum uh, mural so if the mayor could craft comments for that um an alternative for that I would appreciate it but nonetheless if you guys still want to have the conversation we can go forward but I wanted to throw that out there I can but I want to allow council members to have a chance to speak and I think the city manager has something else she wanted to suggest um, the only point that I was going to make is that um, in the month of November, we will be doing our annual study session updates with EDC and VCC. So since VCC will be coming forward as part of their regular update, it would also be an opportunity for VCC to share more information about this initiative if council was interested in that as well. But I just wanted to let you know that that's coming up in just a few weeks. And I just want to I guess clarify, and maybe this is a Fred question, if if for some reason after that November VCC meeting, council was not satisfied with the direction of the mural or wanted to do something 
additional, there would be nothing preventing us from having an additional study session. Uh, no, no, there's not, there's no barrier. Council rules permitted. Okay, council member back. Unmuting is always the hardest thing for me. I don't, I, I'm like, oh, how do I unmute? Um, and everybody else is like, will she please mute herself? Stop talking. Um, I am uh, actually wondering if we need to just put, put a pause on it rather than make an action to um, support the VCC murals or the community historic murals so that we can hear more about that in the larger context. So rather than say, you know, we want to go forward and maybe support and support this instead, maybe it's we just pause this and then hear the information about it and then come back to it and then make a determination about what we want to do. So I think we could have a poll that just um, basically requests that we have an additional study session on this after the VCC study session. Is that what you're thinking? Yes, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, I'm keeping track of everybody's suggested polls. We'll come back to that. Anyone else want to speak? Councilmember Pianfetti. I wanted um, to, I, I guess I'm okay um, having the poll um, after the VCC study session. Although um, I will say that I am in favor currently, if we were to take a poll this evening, I would be leaning towards um, supporting the VCC mural um, project, um, given all the conversations that I've had. Um, you know, there's a lot that could be said, but I know we still have another study session to get through this evening. Um, but I think to my point this evening, it really comes to the fact that uh, there were a lot of very good conversations that um, I was able to have this weekend. I think there were a lot of good comments this evening that have been thoughtful, that have been respectful um, for the most part. Um, and I have appreciated the opportunity to be able to share them. And um, I am thankful to uh, Councilmember Foreman for bringing this to the table so that we could have this forum in which to discuss it. Um, for me, I would um, additionally like to see as we are having these conversations that we do put in um, opportunities to bring in um, more conversations surrounding the LIFT program, partnerships with our township to um, do more with our CU at work and CU at home programs. And um, again, um, I would, I'm interested in hearing more about the VCC Heritage uh, Mural Program and continuing these very critical conversations. And thank you to city staff, um, not only for um, what they contributed this evening, but what they continue to contribute on a, a daily and weekly basis uh, for the conversations that we are having. So thank you. Council Member Stock. <clears throat> thank you. Um, 
Yeah, I love, 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 love the, no surprise, the African-American Historic Museum or uh, mural projects. Um, Councilmember Foreman and I talked about that early, early in the game before I think BCC had even started talking about. It. So I'm glad that's moving forward. It kind of takes me back to some of you may remember the Angela Rivers uh, murals down at Fifth and Park that were kind of a focal point for that neighborhood for many years until they were um, had kind of deteriorated away. Um, so I think this is a great opportunity if we can support that in some way, either by financially or by lending space for perhaps a location for a mural or murals. Um, I think that this is a great opportunity to really educate the entire community about um, achievements, contributions of African-Americans, whether it's local African-Americans or on a national level or all of the above. I think it's a great opportunity that we can, um, that I would love to be, for the city to be part of that conversation and project. Okay, I'm gonna push you for a second because I'm trying to figure out this poll. Are you wanting to poll um, supporting a project we don't know much about yet? Um, or are you wanting to pull maybe coming back to a study session if we need to after VCC presents? Yeah, I would, I would kind of lean on the latter simply because that way we can make a more informed poll, I think. So I'm totally fine with that. Okay. Uh, Councilmember Gladney. Thank you. Um, part of me wants to keep this short because uh, I am in support of this VCC option. Um, I actually, well, I there's a part of me that's in support of just saying yes to it tonight, but, but the more prudent side of me is erring on the side of maybe we should <clears throat> hear their regular presentation next month and then maybe talk about it after that. At any rate, I am supportive of that. But I wanted to address what we're talking about tonight in general because I've been torn on it and I wanted to sort of just share my thoughts on that uh, because I'm, I come at this, this mural idea sort of both uh, emotionally, but also practically. Um, emotionally, you know, uh, there's a lot that's been going on, obviously, not just since the summer, but for a long, long time um, regarding sort of the context of how, you know, the, this terminology developed, you know, Black Lives Matter. Um, you know, I just see it as a statement. I mean, I know it's sort of a loose organization, but I, I see it more as just a statement. Um, a statement that I, I would hope most reasonable folks could, could get behind. I've, I've not understood, honestly, the, 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 the backlash to it, to that statement. It's obviously triggering for certain folks and, you know, <laughs> we've had the all lives matter response. I mean, in several of the email communications we got leading up to this, there were people who said, you know, this is just singling out, you know, black lives, but all lives matter. And, and I've heard that elsewhere. I, we, we don't get that in, in response to other things that are just singular. I mean, for example, I mean, I can give you a couple of examples. I mean, let's say, let's say someone, you know, is, you know, uh, has a health issue and they don't have insurance and you decide to set up a GoFundMe account for them. Well, who really goes on there and says, you know, there's a lot of people going through pain and suffering in the world. And if you don't create a GoFundMe account for everybody that's going through pain and suffering, then you're just kind of, you know, being unfair. I mean, nobody does that. That's, that's rude, right? Just like if, 
if you're at a fundraiser for colon cancer research, who's going to bust in and say all cancers matter? I mean, nobody does that. Um, but you say Black Lives Matter, and then there's this, you know, pushback that all lives matter. Well, obviously, of course, but there's a context to how the term and the phrase Black Lives Matter um, developed. So I guess, uh, you know, there's a part of me that just wants to uh, support this for, like I said, more emotional and supportive reasons. Now, practically though, you know, one of the reasons I've been going back and forth on it is, and I think my questions earlier uh, were alluding to this, you know, we don't really have any kind of framework in place for this. I mean, this is sort of uncharted territory for the city. And, you know, so what happens if we, you know, let's say we do this and then other groups or people say that they want to, to have their own, you know, they want the city to consider their own sayings on the street. Um, and that's a slippery slope argument. And sometimes those, you know, uh, those aren't more very popular, but I, it, it does make me give, it does make me pause. I mean, this is, um, it does cost funds to do this and time and effort. Um, even if there is no, you know, vandalism, there's going to be maintenance uh, needed on it. Um, and, you know, so what if this grows? What if it becomes like the, um, the honorary street designation project. I mean, maybe that's it, and maybe that's fine. Maybe maybe that's not something that we would concern ourselves with. But you know, it I could see this becoming uh, costly and time-consuming if if more and more folks wanted to start doing this on the streets and are asking the city to do this on the streets. And then you know, how, so I feel like we don't have any kind of framework to uh, or any kind of policy about this. I feel like it's a little, it's, it's just, un, and that's un, that uncertainty um, concerns me. Uh, and it also, it's very symbolic and sometimes that's okay. Sometimes symbolism is important and it's impactful uh, and meaningful. So I'm not trying to um, dismiss that, but I also think that maybe we could uh, do something a little more substantive um, and I know that maybe partnering with BCC and the mural, you could argue that that's not substantive either. Um, but um, I don't know. I, I I just don't I don't know if the city should could potentially open itself up to um, what this might mean down the road. I don't know if I said any of that very articulately, but those are just my thoughts. Uh, but to reiterate, I do support this PCC uh, option, at least looking into it. Thank you. Anyone else? Councilmember Kyle? I want to thank Councilmember Foreman. Uh, thank staff. Thank everyone for the participation, uh, particularly Councilmember Foreman for circulating uh, the petition. And I would support her recommendation, uh, um, even though I would also support it as well, support just listening and still um, you know, supporting that recommendation, um, just because of the background, I haven't been a part of all the conversations, but I know that there is some structure there. Um, I think also, um, 
you know that that part that, that part of the meeting that first part of the meeting that maybe it might not seem important for most people but to me it's critical it's that moment of silence um and some people use it for different reasons um i use it for prayer um because i think that you know when we when we come to these meetings you know before seven o'clock happens there's so many things that happen emotionally and being able to have that small moment is a is a big deal. Um, I think uh, Mayor, uh, everybody, uh, uh, particularly speaking out on the lift program, the lift program is a big deal. It's a huge deal, and it's a huge deal when we talk about similar to what uh, Councilmember Gladney spoke about this earlier. Nobody else, nobody walks around saying all cancer matters. You know, it is a. I was I never thought of it that way, but that's a real uh, interesting. Uh, it's a real thought. Um, but one of the thoughts, one of the stats that, that staff and the report, I don't know what we were doing, it said that the African-American, I think based on the average household, uh, family of four, um, black household is on, on, on the lowest total, total pole, uh, with $36,000 a month. I'm not, you know, a month, my bad, $36,000 a year. Hispanics, 58,000 and whites and Asians were, um, neck and neck, I think around 86,000. $36,000, that's the median income. That doesn't mean that is the income. And so when we look at the, the LIFT program, when we look at CDAP initiative, when we look at uh, right now, uh, while we're going through one of the greatest pandemics in history, we're also going to one of the greatest educational gaps in history, where many, many of our students are literally um, going to, are being lost for some, some something as simple as lack of internet access. So we have Zoom, but people don't have Wi-Fi. They don't have good Wi-Fi. They don't have good access. And so these things are very critical and important. Appreciate all the conversation, but more importantly, the work that will continue to be done from this. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Councilmember Beck. So I just want to go back and say that you know, I, I, while I'm okay with pausing it and going and making a determination about whether or not we want to support the BCC uh, historic murals, I don't know that it has to be an either or thing. And I certainly would hate to see us miss an opportunity for us to actually make a declaration or make a statement as a council that we do believe that Black Lives Matter. Um, because I think that it, there, there's so much that we need to do as a um, country, as an as a community, that we have to start with saying that out loud first, in order to be able to move forward and work toward the kinds of changes that we want to see. We actually have to proclaim that Black Lives Matter and that we want to make a difference in the disparities that exist. I think that's an important thing for us to do, and. Um, and if we don't, if we if we miss that opportunity, then I think that I think that we are taking the easy way out because there are lots of people that have decided that saying th saying the words Black Lives Matter means that you are choosing to um, ignore other lives and that you are making a statement that is not inclusive when in fact what we're trying to do is say that 
right now we are recognizing that black lives are an important piece of making our society equal. We need to make sure that we are attending to the disparities that we have created and that we want to knock down social systems that have actually created these disparities, creating new places and new spaces for people to flourish. And if we don't do that, then we fail. So I think that we can have this discussion about the historic murals and that's great. And I think that's a beautiful and wonderful thing for us to do to um, give opportunity and place to show the rich and very important uh, African-American history that exists, the black history that exists here in our community. Um, but I think that if we don't say black lives matter, that we are being, like I said, we're taking the easy way out. And we're, we're, we're giving to everyone that we think is the most palatable solution when we indeed need to be disruptive and say that the way things have always been aren't okay. And when we say Black Lives Matter, that's what we're doing. We're saying that we want to disrupt things and we want to say, and we're saying that we want to make change. Um, and so I hope that everybody remembers that that's why we came to the table, first of all. And while there's um, lots and lots of things that we have to do, the initial, the initial um, question put to us wasn't, isn't just about a mural, it is about a mural and putting, in, putting that down on pavement, but it's really about making a statement as a council and as a community at large, as the city of Champaign and all of our residents saying that Black Lives Matter. So let's not lose that opportunity and let's not take the easy way out. Thank you. Anyone else? Councilmember Foreman. Um, I think that, you know, the one thing that I've learned in the last few months, I think that's important is that we can, the city or council member or however it's done can declare Black Lives Matters without putting it on the street. And we can do that by our policies and things we do. And so again, my feelings have changed about this because when this started, I, I let myself, like most of the Minneapolis uh, city council members who will tell you, they got wrapped up in stuff. And so they made reactionary decisions. And so I thought, man, this is the thing. And then I watched as one to two to three to four men are shot per week in my city and in my community. And I'm, we're losing people so much that it's, it's like, do I focus on that when this is something happening? So that's why I did think that the mural and the education piece of it was so important because I am the little girl who saw the mural at 4th and 5th Street. And that's why Stock remembers it, because it's something that was impactful, because other people, he took his students, other people were impacted. And so that's that that was it. But I mean, it's, I mean, I guess the best way to say it is if we're if we're gonna if we're not gonna put it do a street mural, I'm happy to do a proclamation. I'm happy to support the mural, but I think the conversation and what we should all take away from this, regardless of the street mural, is is that everybody on this call, every council member, every even the mayor, all the staff, everybody believes Black Lives Matters. And so if we we have this conversation for our citizens and we go forward in our policy making those decisions based on that, then we we have the opportunity to do that, and we know that we can do it. I just I'm not trying to dilute it, but I'm just. I want something that's gonna be impactful and empower people. And I'm afraid that 
um, that people will take a street mural as us trying to throw crumbs at them or not. You know, I just want us to actually put in impactful work. So that's all. And so, you know, excuse me for realizing later that, you know, I, I wish I had taken more time to think about the study session and um, put more effort into it. So I apologize for my reactionary behavior. That's the only time you're not going to hear me say I'm sorry. So don't, you know, save it, take a picture. It's the only time you're going to hear me say it. Um, but I really do, I, I do think this can be impactful. And, you know, I, I think we can do it. I just, you know, I, I'm sure there's a staff member on this call who's like, Anything can be impactful. It doesn't have to be the street mural. I think we all know that. So, I mean, I, I'm, I think the mayor would be supportive of doing a proclamation. Um, I think that, uh, you know, you know, it doesn't have to die tonight. You know, let's wait and see what, you know, what, they, what VCC says and what they talk about. But I just, our work doesn't stop at a street mural. Um, and our, our, work, our work isn't going to, you know, stop you know, at the historic or history walk, you know, heritage walk. But I think that I just, I want you guys to all remember like how important this, this, this conversation discussion we are having, not for the white people. Sorry, this isn't for you. This is for black people, for us, for them to see us have this conversation. My kids were in the room as we had this conversation. My older children were in the room. It's important for them, for them to see us have this conversation um, and for them to hear from you guys, because we got to hear from all of you who are not black, who were impacted and had things to say. So um, I hope nobody feels it's a waste of time because I definitely don't. I feel very um, proud of us for having this conversation. I'm proud of all of you guys for for allowing us to have a space to do that. So thank you very much. Anyone else? Okay, um, I, I do wanna, um, a couple of things before I do the poll. First, um, I am hopeful that as we talk with BCC, I liked council member back your idea of including um, some of the community youth that we are involved with and figuring out a way to do that. Maybe that's something BCC or 40 North could help with as well. Um, and, um, you know, I am certainly, you know, as mayor, I'm happy to do a Black Lives Matter proclamation, but the impression I'm getting is that perhaps council wants to have some more impact in that as well and not just have me issue it on my own. So that's a discussion that we can continue to have and I am certainly open to discussing. You know, I think the opportunity to have the whereas, um, and the additional bullet points in the proclamation really focus on um, things that we would we would like to see for for our community to be a better place. Um, it, it presents us with an opportunity there, and so I like that idea. Um, but I'm not going to pull on that. I think that's something we can continue to work on. So what? Um, before I do the poll, one last thing because I I have to say it. Jennifer Bannon, you are a rock star, um, probably because I am a lawyer and I'm a nerd. Um, I absolutely loved reading all that First Amendment um, information in our study session report, and you did a great job of presenting it in a way that was understandable. So thank you for, for that. And Tony as well, you really knocked it out of the park with every potential alternative and how we would pay for it and and what the implications would be. It was a really well thought out study session along with a good discussion from the community and council. With that, 
I think that my study session um, uh, alternative is that we allow um, VCC to come before us in November with their update. Hopefully staff will let them know that we are particularly interested in the status of the African-American mural and history walk. Um, and that after that, if we feel like we need an additional study session, that we would um, go ahead and get that scheduled. Or if council just says that it's resolved with BCC, we can move on. So does, everybody's kind of shaking their heads, particularly council member Foreman. I want to make sure that captures what you were requesting. Okay, so I will start with you, council member Foreman. Yes. Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Yes. Pianfetti? Yes. Bruno? Yes. Doc? Doc? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Kyle? Yes. And I am also a yes. I think staff has direction. Um, we, we do have one more item on our agenda. Um, city manager promises me it will be fast, although it's incredibly important. So city manager, I'll turn it over to you. Okay, thanks. So I don't want to diminish the importance of our property tax levy, um, but we don't have a very radical recommendation tonight. I'm going to turn it over to Budget Officer, Financial Services Manager, Courtney Kuzminoff, who has told me your presentation is four minutes. I will resist putting up the five-minute countdown clock, Courtney. So I'm turning a really big, important thing over to you to do quickly. All right, thank you. Let me share my screen with the presentation. All right, so we're here to talk about the 2020 property tax levy. I'm joined by Kay Neese, our finance director, and Travis Woodcock, our financial analyst, who are available to answer questions. So the tax levy is prepared on a calendar year basis, and state statute requires that we levy at a specific dollar amount. However, council's policy goal is to levy at a specific rate, which is currently 1.3152. Uh, so this allows for a rate, uh, a flat rate each year, uh, while also capturing growth in taxable property. So this dollar represents the property tax bills in the city of Champaign and how property taxes are levied by each taxing body. Um, since the city levies a flat rate each year, um, our portion is typically stays around 14 to 15% of the overall tax bill. Each year staff prepares a most likely and an optimistic levy. For the 2020 levy, staff estimates the most likely growth at 3.2% and optimistic growth at 8.8%. So the most likely estimate is used for forecasting purposes and staff recommend adopting the optimistic estimate so that we can capture any unanticipated growth uh, in property tax values. And if the optimistic estimate is too high, the city can reduce or abate that levy to achieve the target rate of 1.3152. So this graph represents the equalized assessed values of the cities over the last 15 years. So property tax uh, values have increased over the last four years and this trend is anticipated to continue with the 2020 levy. Um, something of note is between 2008 and 2015, property tax values remained essentially flat 
uh, but staff have anticipated modest growth in construction values uh, over the next couple of years as projects continue to uh, come onto the tax rolls. And while COVID-19 has not had a significant impact on the 2020 levy, future growth may be impacted if we were to experience an economic slowdown and delays in construction projects. So each year, uh, we break out the levy by purpose. The largest purpose is the pensions, uh, which is, encompasses our IMRF, police, and fire pensions. So per policy, the city levies police and fire pensions based on actuarial value. Um, this year, we're anticipating a 9.97% increase in, this pension, er, in the pension purpose. The next purpose is the library, which includes both the library operating and the library capital improvement fund. Like the city, the library levies a specific rate for their, um, their purpose and therefore captures the same growth as the overall levy at 3.21%. The next is the capital improvement purpose, which goes towards both the capital improvement fund and the stormwater management fund. And per policy, the city increases this levy each year by the construction cost index which is 2.8%. Lastly is the general fund purpose. Uh, per policy, if funds are available, the city allocates a percentage increase to the general fund purpose based on the percentage increase of operating costs. However, due to large increases in the pensions, the general fund is showing an increase, or a, excuse me, a decrease of 65.65%. Uh, the financial policy holds the general fund as the lowest priority and therefore it absorbs any of the other increases from the other purposes. So next steps, on November 8th, the, um, we will publish a truth and taxation notice. Based on council direction tonight, we'll bring forward an estimated levy for adoption on November 10th. And then on November 17th, we'll hold a public hearing on the property tax levy. And on December 15th, council will adopt the levy and the abatement ordinance and finally, April uh, of 2021, uh, we'll get the final extension letter from county. So I do have a poll question uh, and it's to seek council direction to establish an estimated most likely levy of $25,733,203 uh, for financial planning purposes and adopt an estimated optimistic levy of $27,115,500 to achieve the overall rate of 1.315. And at that point, I'll turn it over to council for any questions or comments. Technical questions. Anyone in the audience wish to address this issue? Seeing none, council comment. Seeing none, um, Courtney, do you mind putting the poll back up? I have it, but maybe it would be helpful for council to see it too. It's basically the, the same tax rate and the estimated yes. optimistic levy. Yeah. And I am uh, going to start with council member Bruno. Yes. Pianfetti? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Beck? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Stock? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Councilmember Kyles, I'm not sure if you're there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and I am a yes. You have direction. Need a motion to adjourn. Madam Mayor, I move that we adjourn. Second. 
Uh, we need the roll call, please. Councilmember Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Kyles? Yes. Pianfetti? Yes. Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Bruno? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes, we are adjourned. Thank you. <laughs>